0: favourite Christmas song? Fairytale of New York oh is it? yeah yeah you're part of that crown aren't you uh, <laughs> what's yours? Um, it's got to be the Destiny's Child one really? yeah yeah doesn't I forget doesn't it feel like, like Christmas it. doesn't it feel like Christmas come on Brad you know the words I don't know doesn't it you. feel like Christmas <laughs> doesn't it feel like it's, it, it's pretty much that <laughs> over and
1: over yeah is it not the darkness?
0: oh yeah the darkness <laughs> is better let's <laughs> yeah. face it that's it. Apart from the fact that I butchered it in that video we did. <laughs> <laughs> I could, when I saw
1: that, I could fully believe that someone had just, like, it was Cinema ver Cinema Verity Documentary, I just make that up? It was like someone documentary filming you.
0: Yeah.
1: Just putting up the decorations. I
0: tried to do a very sort of Troy McClure thing. <laughs> yeah. And it didn't work, did it? <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to Bitchin' Brew, a podcast about music, life and everything in between. I'm Danny Rand he's Brad Thorn. True. <laughs> it's true. Um, and, and welcome back to our albums of 2019 special, part two. Part two. Electric Boogaloo, Empire Strikes Back, Attack of the Clones. Uh, maybe not Attack of the Clones. Two Towers. Yeah. Uh, other sequels. Um...
1: Terminator 2,
0: yeah, Aliens. Oh, uh, part two, Judgment Day. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if we just do Aliens, it'll be the bitch and brew albums of 2019 specials. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is part two. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you listened to part one, well, thank you very much, yeah. and and welcome to the uh, inevitably more fatigued successor. <laughs> uh, we've been sat here for two days. <laughs> waiting, waiting to do this. I haven't showered. We haven't eaten. We haven't eaten. I'm wasting away. I'm waif-like basically now. Yeah, I caught a fly earlier, so I did. I ate a fly. Oh, that's but, all right then. Yeah, that's so good. I've got
1: a bit of protein, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and uh, and we're ready. We are we are primed and and lubed up and yeah. uh, eager to discuss our top ten. Albums of the year. If you haven't listened to part one yet, then you may find this a little bit difficult because there may just well be callbacks and albums that we put in our honourable mentions, and you're wondering where the fuck is that, you know? Yeah. Um. So go and listen to part one now, available on your podcast platform of preference. Um. And if you've already done that, then well done you. But also, if
1: you listen to this part before you listen to the other part, I kind of respect the uh, originality of that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can respect that. Yeah, for Go sure. Follow the rules,
0: <laughs> Bradley. Yes, uh, I mean you kind of kicked it off for us last time, mm-hmm. so I'll let you do that again. Thank your, you, your sir. Your number ten album. My
1: number ten album is uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with
0: Ghostine. Ooh, I've not listened to this album. Um,
1: this is, I don't think, my very limited vocabulary is going to be able to do any kind of justice to how beautiful and poetic this album is, to be honest. Um, historically, I haven't really listened to Nick Cave. I'm not an expert on Nick Cave. It's something I intend to rectify in the new year. Mm. Um, but I listened to this album out of curiosity, out of hearing and reading some really good reviews, um, and just being a little bit more open-minded, I think, in my musical tastes this year. Um And I think um, I'm familiar with some of, and people might be familiar with some of Nick Cave's more early work, and I think um, the kind of the personal tragedy that I think Nick Cave has dealt with has been over the past few years and over his past couple of albums has been quite well documented. I don't think we really need to go into that here. No, I don't think so. Um, It just, except to say that this album just sees him continue the kind of artistic... Growth and increased sort of spirituality that has resulted from the the process of of grief and everything that he's been through. Yeah. In the last few years, um, I actually can't listen to this album without actually shedding tears. Uh, the the volume of, of which this depends on the kind of day that I'm having. I think mentally. Um, but for for a record to have such a kind of visceral. Effect on me every time I put it on, um, and it, it's an old one. I haven't maybe listened to it as much as a lot of albums on my list because it is something of an undertaking mm-hmm. emotionally. It's uh, it's a very long record as well. So did you want to say something?
0: No, no, not oh, at okay. all. Um, I the thing is with Nick Cave. Um, I mean, this like you said, it's a very long album, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a double album essentially. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, his back catalogue, whether it's with the Bad Seeds or you know, with Grinder Man, yeah, his back catalogue is so huge. It's very
1: imposing, yeah, definitely. Very it's-
0: imposing, and I almost don't know where to start. Have you been kind of given is, is this kind of the, you say it's the first this time is you've like really, the first gone time I've really gone into yeah, it? It's yeah. certainly
1: a full album, and I actually, um, um, I've nearly put the call out on Twitter a couple of times actually for people to tell me where to go next, you know, based off of this. Mm um so if you're
0: listening do, do come and let me know on Twitter and, or something and tell me where to start or mm. yeah if 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 ghost teen is a kind of good starting point yeah um
1: it's a, it's a super emotional record um i think nick cave is known for his very poetic delivery his very um prominent use of imagery mm-hmm. um the song bright horses just conjures such a like a clear image in your head. He, he sings about horses with manes of fire running across this scorched earth. It's something I think only an artist of Nick Cave's calibre could actually conjure such a clear image in your head. Um, but it isn't all this kind of metaphorical, spiritual things mm-hmm. that he's talking about. Soon after that, he kind of tears away that sort of arty f- a facade and mm-hmm. um, he says the horses are just horses and their manes aren't full of fire, fields are just fields and there ain't no lord. He's really like <laughs> there's a uh, I don't want to say nih- there is a nihilism but there is also a a reflection mm,
0: Stark realism as well Absolutely
1: happy. yeah it's a, it's a really really complex record and it is the sound of someone Having some very complex thoughts, hmm. um, this and this going back to my earlier point, I, I don't have the intelligence or the vocabulary to articulate yeah. everything that this album does. Um, but I, and I am willing to admit that I am uneducated when it comes to music like this. I'm uneducated when it comes to Nick Cave, but I can say with certainty that I've never heard an album like this before, and it is incredibly rare that an album actually has. A very a, such an emotional and actually a physical effect on me every time I go to put it on. It is an incredible piece of work um, there might be people listening that are more familiar with Nick Cave and yeah. maybe feel differently about it um, and if you haven't listened it, I would just urge anyone to listen to this and and just stop listening to me rambling on and just go and give it a try well maybe do listen to the end of
0: this podcast Yeah oh yeah listen Yeah, Not to be a greedy bastard But yeah. I will be listening to Ghost Team mm-hmm. um, As part of the catch up So I may cover it myself In an early episode next year mm-hmm. uh, If we if we do the same thing That we did last year of catching up on albums But uh, yeah This this sounds like a mammoth undertaking
1: It is uh, Yeah definitely be uh, mentally prepared mm. I think going into it a-
0: Right, so that's Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with Ghost Team. Yeah, I, th- I believe that's how you pronounce it. Love really? again, I might be wrong. Um, so that's your number ten. My number ten uh, actually comes from previous album of the year winners mm-hmm. on Bitchin Brew. Now it can't be Milk Teeth because they haven't brought out an album this year. No. Hopefully, we'll hear from them next year. Hopefully, I really hope so. Um, it's not the Dirty Nil. Because, I mean, they only released now. They did release the deluxe edition of Master Volume this year, which Mm. had some great new songs on it, but I'm not going to include that as much as I do love that (laughs) album. So, that leaves only one band, and it's one of the most consistent bands of the decade. In fact, you know this whole 2010s rap thing that Spotify have done? Yeah. Uh, this uh, Spotify told me that this was my band of the decade. Wow. Uh, I know your band of the decade is quite unsurprisingly <laughs> Deftones, isn't it? Yeah. Apparently, my band of the decade, and you know what? I'm going to be reluctant to argue with it, is the Menzingers. Oh. Um, and their new album, their sixth album now is called Hello Exile um you probably know that if you're a fan of this podcast and a fan of rock music because you should be a fan of the Menzingers. to be honest <laughs> I can't see how you how you can't be a fan of the Menzingers. and it's an interesting record to talk about because I obviously loved After the Party it was my it was my favourite album of 2017 and one of my favourite albums of the decade easily um the, the formula when it comes to the Men Singers never really changes too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I never go into a new Men Singers album going, oh, I wonder about, about all the new things they're going to do. I just go into it wanting them to just keep being such wonderful songwriters. And what is kind of refreshing is, you know, when it, when it comes to expectations of what's going to be different, each album feels like a sort of little time capsule of uh, the years kind of building up to the album. It's a lot like what I was saying about Frank Carter in the first part. Go back and listen to that if you haven't done so yet. Um, And this is obviously them talking about their early 30s. So it's actually not something that I can relate to as someone who's only in their mid-20s at the moment. Uh, So I wonder whether this album will take on a whole new kind of emotional level of meaning a few years down the line. Um, much like Rented World has now, bearing in mind that's kind of the the era that that uh, you know the era I'm in right now is mm-hmm. the era that Rented World and and on the Impossible Past does capture as well. I feel like this is a less joyous album than After yeah. the Party. It feels like it has much more of a much less, I should say, of a of a celebratory. Atmosphere mm-hmm. than After the Party, and I do wonder whether that's maybe just because I have a lot of sentimental value with the songs on After the Party. You know, yeah. I th- that year I saw him quite a lot. I saw him at you know Two Thousand Trees, and that was one of the best live music moments I think of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and you you may see that as a negative, really, me calling it a less joyous album than than After the Party. But I feel like joy really gives way to catharsis. On this album, and it is there are some really sobering moments on this album, but no, no kind of less moving. Uh, you know, you look at a track like uh, the title track of this album, Hello Exile," um, which kind of delves more into the kind of Americana side of things than they mm-hmm. ever have done before. Um, you know, the the sort of some of the slowest songs they've ever done, like "I Can't Stop Drinking." Um, and maybe you know even more of the kind of heartland rocky things that we come to expect from them, like High School Friend is a massive tune, isn't yeah. it? Um, and you know the the, the lyricism. I, I mean, I could recite lyrics from from Greg Bunnett and Tom May for days and days and days. But you know that I was getting fucked up with a high school friend, wondering where the good times went. Yeah, and it's it's quite bleak, but you almost kind of have to chuckle with it. It's it's a very knowing record, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um. There was something really funny that I saw before this record came out. And I don't know when the article was published, so I don't know if they perhaps saw it themselves. I would like to think that somehow they did. But obviously, kings of the internet over at the hard times um, published an article which just had the headline, The Menzingers Get Great Idea for Song After Seeing a Friend Smoke a Cigarette. (laughs) And um, and I'd like to think the Menzingers kind of saw that and went, oh well, no, there's more, there's more to us than that. Mm-hmm. And and you know, especially lyrically on this album, there's little nods to like politics and to history. You know, uh, the sensational opening track, "America, You're Freaking Me Out." You know, he's talking about he feels like he's in puppet Vichy France. Uh, I, was, I went France I'm not, <laughs> not Puppet Vichy France darling West Sussex upbringing what what um, <laughs> <laughs> um, And you know I just think uh, Also on Hello Exile he's talking about Here on my own island of Elba and the Poconos mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's something slightly more nuanced And intelligent to the To the, to the lyricism this time round mm-hmm. And I think that can only Be commended of a band who just write great Simple songs like the men singers do Um, To me, with this album, this kind of marks the Menzing as officially overlapping the Gaslight Anthem as the best band to do this sort of thing. And Mm -hmm. therefore overlapping every other band that do this heart-on-sleeve rock kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is just, for me now, that's a run of four albums which are three Mm -hmm. nines and a ten. I, I mean... Nine, nine, ten, nine. Yeah. I think after the party is the ten out of yeah. all of them. I think I still prefer after the party for its sentimental value, yeah. um, but this isn't far behind mm. at all. Yeah, um, I haven't actually listened to the first two Menzingers albums, which makes me a very bad fan of the Menzingers. <laughs> yeah, no, it? I
1: haven't either. Um, I really, really like this Menzingers album. Mm. Um, Spoil, it's, it's not in my list. Spoiler, um, but I really like it. I agree with you. I don't quite like it as much as after the party i think that's the kind of record that comes around uh once or twice in a band's career mm-hmm. to be honest um but it's not far behind you know it's a 9 compared to a 10 um and i think the slower songs are actually the ones that really stand out to me, me too. on that record i think it's the side of the Menzingers that they're really fucking good at that mm. um and yeah it's just a great band still being great
0: yeah. Yeah. So that's the Men Singers with Hello Exile, uh, my number 10. Hey guys, it's Danny here. Just wanted to interject at this point in the podcast to let you know that um, after we went our separate ways, Brad and I, at the end of this recording, I actually got an email from uh, friends of the podcast over in Denmark, a wonderful band called Merl. You uh, hopefully have heard of them uh, at this point if you are a regular listener. We had uh, Kim and Nikolai from the band joining us at 2000 Trees, and uh, they've just had a sensational year following the release of their debut album uh jod in uh, 2018 uh so you know it was really nice of them to send us a little message from denmark um and yeah it just came in after we finished this recording so uh here's me introducing that bit now and we'll get back to the rest of the podcast after this from mel's drummer ken uh,
2: and hello danny and brad um thanks for having us my name is ken and i play drums and percussion in mill uh i would say by far our favorite moments were definitely the two tours we had this year with um rivers of my hill black ground initiate and orbit culture in europe then we had the finland tour with amorphis and soil work um uh, amazing tours and i would say also having our fourth sold out show in copenhagen was also like a experience, great way to close up the year. Um, I would say my favorite album of 2019 is without a doubt uh, Portus with uh, N.E.S.T. It's an amazing album and um, the singer is, has such a powerful uh, vocal that kind of reminds me of Granberries or earlier shows like that and it really took me by surprise. Kim talked a lot about it but he talks a lot about everything so but um, he was right on this one, um, and that's, I guess, what we have to say for today. And thanks for having us, and happy holidays, to everybody listening.
0: Uh, Bradley, don't lie to me with your number nine. My number nine is a tool with an uh, Inoculum. Oh, it's a big one. <laughs> it's a bigger. Should I, should I put my notes to the side for a second? Are we <laughs> going to be going on this one quite heavily? <laughs> you can do.
1: Yeah. Um, so. And I think this is probably the same for you. I think we may have even spoken about this on the podcast before, but 2019's been a real... It's really seen me discover a tool and and discover the appeal of tool for so mm-hmm. many people, um, largely thanks to them turning up on Spotify for the first time. And that makes me sound maybe lazy. And, um, you know, if you want to call me lazy, then um, I'll fight you. <laughs> um, but... Um, and I think we've spoken about it. We didn't want to just listen to crappy streams on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted to wait until we could listen to it. I'm sure you said that as well. Don't tell me if I'm putting words Yeah,
0: about. Yeah, and almost kind of... It's weird, my relationship with Tool, because everything I have heard, whether that's, you know, like, growing up or watching, like, the Schism video on Kerrang! TV, yeah. or, you know, when Daniel P. Carter plays Token Tool songs yeah. once a show or something on Radio 1... Um, Did you know that Daniel P. Carter quite likes Tool? Um, So, you know, that's kind of where my experience with Tool began and ended. And Mm -hmm. it felt a little bit sort of shameful because, you know, I would go, Wow, Tool are brilliant, but I don't actually know that much Mm. of their stuff. And I still don't, to be honest. (laughs) It almost feels quite weird that, you know, we've waited all this time for Tool to arrive on a platform like Spotify. And it is almost a damning indictment on the state of the world. (laughs) I say that with not an ounce of joy. (laughs) And I still haven't really had the time Mm -hmm. to sit down with Tool's discography.
1: Yeah. Um, I've given a fair amount of time to the Tool discography, perhaps at the expense of of other things I could have been listening to, Mm. Um, which is is another conversation, I suppose, and maybe a bit of a shame. But... um, I have really got into certain records. I've really got into Um, this one when it came out, took me a little while to get into actually, Mm. having done a bit of a crash course on their discography. And um, I don't feel like it's as much of a trip or a a journey or an odyssey as some of the other tour records. And at this moment in time, it's still not my favorite of their records. Um, But it is an incredibly immersive, very moody slow burn of a record and as a moody slow burn of a man that appeals <laughs> to me a lot. Um, and I think, well, one thing that hit me immediately is how, it seems like maybe an odd thing to say, but how stripped back the sound of this record is for, by all standards. Mm. Um, it It does sound like four dudes just kind of peeling out these incredibly... Long gestating labyrinthine uh, prog rock songs, yeah. Um, whereas other re- other records of theirs have a lot more going on.
0: It's almost, um, it's I've heard much more comparison, and again, this is a band that I wasn't really that well acquainted with until the last album, which came out last year. Mm. Uh, but it, a lot of people are comparing it more to a perfect circle than to, ah, interesting. Mm. Um, I really liked that perfect
1: circle record, yeah, it was, great. It was great, yeah. Um, and I think what that sort of approach that they take on this album does is it, is it just shows how much each member of Tool really is at the top of their game when it comes to the, to the instrument that they play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fair to say it's um, fairly light on, on Maynard, this record. Yeah, his, some his, his
0: contribution is quite sparse and when yeah. he does turn up he's not restrained but He's sort of slightly more. He's he, doing he, one thing. on yeah. This record, I think, he's he's doing a thing, and he's yeah. not
1: showing the uh, the range that he showed on on the Perfect Circle record yeah. or on other tour records. Would
0: you say that's a criticism or?
1: Uh, no, no. I think um, I just think it's an interesting thing to know. I I don't think it. Um, I mean, for for me personally, I do prefer some of the albums where he's much more prominent. Okay. Um, but I don't think it's it's really a stick you can beat this record with. Um, not for me anyway. His voice is used, I think, like another instrument on this album. Mm. Um, and, and it's brought in, I think, in service to the songs. It brings a lot of gravitas when it is used so sparingly. I think. Um, I think he's always had a lot of gravitas as a vocalist. Yeah. Um. I think Adam Jones is just the master of just creating atmosphere with different guitar tones. I think. Mm. Um. Of the MVP, I think for me is Danny Carey. Absolutely, on I would I would
2: wholeheartedly agree. I think um, Danny Carey
0: is fucking brilliant he's on this record.
1: The absolute star of the show. I mean, just laying down these mind bending kind of polyrhythmic like backbones to all of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, having said that, they still chug along with a with a kind of lumbering uh, leviathan pace. I mm-hmm. think they. They still got a real good chug to them, yeah um despite the fact that they are so complex um and I think I'll just round it off it's a it's a cliche to to say that an album sort of envelops you and and washes over you but but this one I think really really does it is such a consistent mood piece that I think if you're really if you're willing to go with it, it really sucks you in um. And, you know, we're not, and I'm not someone that can tell you if this lived up to the weight, the really, really long, what, how many years, can you remember how? 14 years. 14 years. years. Yeah, uh, uh, um, well, I'd
0: say, I'd say it was essentially 14 years, 10,000 Days came out in 2006. Yeah, yeah, um, math's
1: not my strong suit. Um, so I'm, I can't really tell you if this lived up to the weight, um, or anything like that, but I can tell you that I think this is just a fantastic album
0: from one of the mm. best bands to ever do it. Wow, so yeah, that's that's Tool fear inoculum. I don't think I have anything else to add, to be yeah. honest. Uh, I I do wonder uh, when this kind of came out. A lot of people were like, "Oh, it's just Tool being Tool." Yeah, and doing that really, really well. I think well. your
1: mileage may vary. I think depending yeah. on how much that appeals yeah.
0: to you. And I I think that's maybe a bit unfair when a song like Tempest rounds it off, yeah, <laughs> which true. is yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. Honestly, on it, honest, I. I one of the must-hear records from this year, That's despite it not being in my top twenty, I think it's an essential listen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tool, Fit Inoculum is your number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number nine uh, is is quite different, to be honest. <laughs> uh, certainly less kind of um, expansive and kind of uh, sweeping and and epic, mm-hmm. uh, but still fucking great. Hence why it's my number nine. Um, I mean, there's there's a vocal refrain on this record. Which I think is 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 a line that we've we've really both needed to tell ourselves this year, among mm-hmm. many other people. And that line is I am valued, I am loved. Mm-hmm. Um fresh with their second album Withdraw is my number nine record of the year. Um it's just it's a delightful little record yeah. from a band who in twenty nineteen have become the the kind of MVPs of this DIY indie pop rock Mm -hmm. scene and we've had some great records from that scene this year you know we had the Martha album that we uh, reviewed um, earlier this year Um, and various various others that are struggling to come to mind with at the moment yeah it's a
1: it's a very there's a lot of bands, isn't
0: there? Yeah, it's a very saturated scene. Yeah. Um, oh, the Landy Heck EP that came out mm-hmm. just recently. Landy, the singer of Muncie Girls, is great, but we're not talking about EPs of the year for a little while yet. Um, but no, the, the, these guys are, are doing it better than, mm-hmm. than I think, all of them, to be honest. I like that latest Martha record, but it's... Spoiler, not in my top 20. Um, it's their first album as a four-piece, uh, with, with Miles now on guitar, um, and and what he's kind of adding to the band it, it feels much more kind of melodically complete than the first album which I am a big fan of um, but that's not where the progression ends with Fresh on this record um, and you know when, when it comes to bands like this progression is not something that, uh, that you would usually as- associate with them, you mm-hmm. think short, sharp get in, get out, bosh mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing um, but there's a run of songs in the middle of this record, particularly the songs "No Thanks" and uh, "New Girl," which see fresh embracing some, you know, little poppy quirks and intricacies and and nuances that are very, if you pardon the uh, the pun, the very fresh for them, <laughs> um, and there's just something about that that makes the album all the more kind of playful and, and lovable mm-hmm. really I, I've loved going out walking to this record in in the sunshine or, or just on a bright day you know um, it, it's such an uplifting little listen um, and I do mean little listen because it is over like super quickly mm-hmm. as well isn't it I think it's yeah. literally only just over half an hour long um, and you know there's as I was alluding to earlier, great little bits of sloganeering on, on songs like um, Willa, uh, where, you know, Catherine, who's a wonderful front woman, mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, is saying about how on this stage I feel safe and you, you can't hurt me up here, mm-hmm. saying that over and over again. It's it's an album which just kind of um, really promotes self-love and independence you know self sufficiency and and empowerment again um and i think in just such a short amount of time fresh go to places that i would just never expect a band like them to go mm-hmm. and uh yeah i think it's fucking awesome
1: yeah it's a really great record yeah i back
0: that you're keeping a little bit quiet so. no no it's not in my list I, 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 really Cause um, because this, it I remember... was
1: and it was in the conversation and it's another one i didn't mention in my honorable mentions but um it is a really and i agree with you i, I do think they are the the band that stands out in that
0: yeah very crowded scene at the moment mm-hmm. yeah for sure um oh and these songs sound amazing live i'll have mm. you know as well um, yeah, I need to go catch them live. Yeah, seeing them open for pup the other day, more on that later. Um mm-hmm. uh was they just look like they're having so much fun. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Fun. Fun and riffs <laughs> and Angel Delight. That's a reference to our previous episode. So if you've done that original hipster thing of listening yeah, to the you're second part out now. first, you're you're fucked, aren't you? Second, you're um Withdraw by Fresh is my is my number nine. Uh Brad number eight number eight is Venom Prison with Samsara oh again so happy um, this made your list
1: yeah uh, it's similar to what I said about Full of Hell just it, extreme music is just not or up until now anyway it has not been um, where I am most comfortable listening mm-hmm. um, prior to this year I was only really familiar with Venom Prison just as a name because of the immense hype that they generated when they arrived with their debut um when we came to review this album on the show I I just immediately realised that the hype is absolutely justified and um and we this became a bit of a joke I think on the show um that I don't like saying this or I don't like people overusing this but I I have no trouble saying that this is a very important band Mm. um I'm not very well versed in, in this world, but I do, I do um, dip my toe in from time to time. And I think from the outside looking in, it's a genre that can be just um, categorised by over-the-top extremity and vulgarity, I think, in places, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and, a, and a shock factor. And I think Venom Prison bucked that trend in a way while still being unashamedly, mm-hmm. death metal. Um, it's a complicated um,
0: juxtaposition. I
1: think there's a few albums that do that this year.
0: They've turned that kind of violence synonymous with death metal in on itself a little bit. Yeah,
1: um, uh, they've sort of repurposed it to, and used it to tackle a whole range of, of social issues mm-hmm. that are um, uh, prevalent in our society now. Um, and um, they just... they tear those issues apart, really, mm-hmm. to devastating effect. Um, musically, it is unequivocally death, With deathcore. Yeah, I but what I would call them,
0: not but. the deathcore that has mm-hmm. been pushed to us. Yeah, not the over water, the last decade uh, yeah, or so.
1: Yeah, um, but it has a lot. You know, it's got the spirit of punk. Yeah, is is all through this record. Um, the energy of hardcore, the um, proficiency of tech metal yeah I think there's lots going on um, and it's just climbed its way up my top 20 to to be this high which I wasn't expecting it to be because it isn't just a, a kind of blunt instrument like so many extreme records similarly to what I said about Full of Hell it has dynam- uh, dynamism 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 um, <laughs> and um, and musical precision and just lyrically is really really engaging Um They're just an incredibly progressive band in a genre that I think has been a bit starved of these kind of progressive... For
0: sure. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. um, But there have been good bands. Oh, there's been really good bands. I think um, the standout has been the Black Dahlia murder. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not in a position to... to say if Venom Prison are the first band to do this kind of thing in their scene I don't know no I don't um, know either but I can tell you that I think they're just a vitally important band to the scene that they inhabit mm-hmm. um, and I think that they've got the potential to go even bigger than the scene that they inhabit
0: yeah. and um, I'm just really glad that this has ended up being one of my albums of the year backed samsara by venom prison is your number eight Um shall we hear from some from some listeners yeah what yeah uh, so you've been uh, very lovely in, in giving us short albums of the year uh, through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, go and uh, go and follow us on all of those if you if you're not so already links in the description of this episode um, but yeah uh if you if you do want to tell us your albums, then then do continue to tell us because yeah. I'm adding all of them to a list to kind of blitz through over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, so they won't get read out on the podcast, but we'd still love to hear them. Uh, starting with uh, Luke Myers, um, old old friend of mine, uh, said Carter Blanche by DJ Snake. Now this is way out of our wheelhouse, yeah. isn't it? Um, but uh, he says there's there's such an array of styles on the album, um, from some absolute heaters, which I'm guessing is a sort of colloquial phrase for um, radiators. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, quite expensive, maybe. Yeah. You don't turn them on all the time. But yeah, when exactly. You really need them. You yeah, yeah, Switch them on. Sure. I think that's what he means. Yeah. Um, to some smooth hip hop tunes. Uh, all executed flawlessly, and the production value is off the scale. Oh. Are you much of a DJ Snake fan? Uh,
1: no, I I only know the one. Yeah. The one big was it
0: turned down for? Turned what? down for what? And that song actually, I did a really good song with Major Lazer. Okay. Lean on the one with Mo. On oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's yeah. a tune. That is that a heater. <laughs> <laughs> um, Just Griff on Instagram uh, said, "End of Suffering" by Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. Nice. Um, go back to part one to hear what I have to say about that record mm-hmm. um, and uh, Emma van Dykes friend of the podcast yeah. uh, co-host of the brilliant straight out of popcorn podcast and congratulations on your uh, <laughs> congratulations on your recent nuptials mm. Um she said, and I am actually really eager to hear this record, White Bat by here's Legend. Wow. Um, I've heard lots of good things about yeah. it. So she says it's an in- incredible record, only made more brilliant by the fact the lyrics are like love letters written to serial killer victims. Wow. Sounds pretty sick, yeah. to be honest. Um, so yeah, we're going to go through some more listener uh, suggestions uh, or listener, listener picks. Um, As we go further on the show, but in the meantime, I'm going to talk about my number eight record of the year Um, And not to give anything away about the rest of my list, but he says putting his MacBook down um, (laughs) This is uh, for my money the standout debut album of the year Uh, And I wasn't expecting that from this band at the start Mm. of the year It was previously a band that I I was a little bit sort of ho-hum towards But this year is the year that gender roles have truly got their claws into me Mm -hmm. uh, with their debut album Prang. Um, It fills me with so much joy. And I've said this about a few bands now that we've covered on the show. um, When a band from the sort of DIY kitchen show scene, (laughs) I like to call it... um, Breakout like Gender Roles have mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen. They have got so much momentum behind them. They were on. They were. They, they went to Maida Vale the other yeah. day to do a session for Annie Mac, which you know can't be said of a lot of promising guitar bands no. like Gender Roles. can be said for a lot of guitar bands, yeah. just not. Ones. Yeah, just <laughs> shit ones, exactly. <laughs> um, but they deserve it because this album is just so instantaneous. Mm-hmm. It's got bangers. Or heaters, I should say. Radiators. Radiators for days. <laughs> <laughs> On the surface, I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, Gender Rolls strike me as a band that don't really like to be second-guessed mm-hmm. and don't really like to be just cast as like one of these really simple indie punk guitar bands. Mm-hmm. Because they will take a really sort of simple, catchy beat or melody or kind of vocal phrase or, you know, a mixture of all of them in a chorus. Uh, on something like you know hey with two Y's Mm -hmm. or you look like death uh, some of the biggest tracks of the year, mm-hmm. and they'll just throw a little, a little quirk, a little curveball in there that yeah. that throws everything off course. And I'm not saying it like a car bomb or a, like a you know <laughs> a sort of a, a full of hell type way, but there's just like a little change of pace or yeah. you know like a squeal of distortion from the guitars or even just like a, a brief scream from Tom Bennett their mm. their vocalist, which just you know. It, it does often remind me, and this is not a comparison I make lightly, of, uh, you know, a certain other alternative rock trio with a singer that has pink hair. Um, I'm saying about Nirvana. Oh. Right? I'm saying about Nirvana. Uh, if you looked. Um, just, God, you're dense. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're saying a lot. I, I think big things are coming for gender roles. And they're having a lot of fun with it, clearly. We saw them at Arctangent and they were like chucking in that samples of like free shavakadoo yeah. in, in their songs, which, which had me sort of, you know, bent over in laughter. Yeah. Um, and. Um, and I think they did like a little bit of a sugary bit at yeah, like did, the yeah. end of their set, which <laughs> was, which was fantastic. I think they ended Gills in the style of Mushuga, <laughs> uh, which just shows how much fun they're having. But really, I think big things await them in 2020, mm-hmm. um, and it would be deserved off the strength of Prang. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was having a very good conversation with um, with a with a friend about this. Um, about the production of this record, because it was done on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. And while they are still very much a kind of trio of grebby Brightonian punks, <laughs> they sound like the biggest guitar band in the world yeah. on this record. They've done amazing things with the production of this. I don't mm-hmm. know who produced it actually, but yeah, this we didn't get to talk about this album. No. Again, this was an album that came out in August and we were due to talk about it until we took a hiatus. Yeah. But do you have any thoughts on this album that you can share?
1: I really, really like this album. Yeah. Um, again, it's another one that's not in my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this is a really phenomenal debut. I think they're doing something really, really cool that is sits somewhere in the kind of the middle of indie and punk. Um, the songs are just massive. I think you could have them playing with, uh, uh, I don't know, like Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, and you could have them playing with like, Ooh, yeah, a catfish yeah. and a bottleman. I think they would go down mm. fine with that. Yeah. There's that much appeal, but similar to what you said about Press Club, I think the the production is massive on this record. It makes the song sound massive. Yeah. Um, but also there is a rawness um, to it and, and a kind of rough around the edges quality, similar to what you said about Press Club. and that. Mm-hmm. I, don't,
0: I I don't think... They should lose that. No. Um, yeah, it's a great album. Okay, so that's Prang by Gender Roles. my number eight. Uh, right, it's uh, your number seven now. My number seven
1: mm-hmm. is Pup with Morbid Stuff.
0: Oh, wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: it's been alluded to a few times from the listeners, um, this album. Um, I think when we reviewed it, I think I was of the mindset that... Um, Maybe I didn't like it quite as much as the Dream is Over, which is their second album, um, which I think is is a bit of a kind of genre defining album. But as the years gone on, I think I've realised that this is their best album, definitely. Um, it's an album of of nuance. I think it, we spoke about this when we reviewed it. Initially, it sounds very upbeat and defiant in a way that they have previously and a lot of their peers do. Um, but you sort of scratch beneath the surface, surface, and you realise that it is, in fact, morbid stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you did it, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, you know that the artwork is um, indicative of that when you you suddenly realise that the sort of cheerful image of of kids playing musical chairs and and but they're actually holding knives, and it it's actually quite a sinister image. Yeah. Um, and it's an album for twenty nineteen, I think, which has, on a global scale, been a bit of a morbid year. I think in the in the headlines. And Still stuff. a little bit bleak. Yeah. Um, and and this is an album that reflects that. It's one of the the many great albums this year that reflects that. Um, on a musical level, though, it's got some of pop's greatest moments. I think. Um, Kids and closure are some of the biggest punk rock anthems that they've ever written they're some of the biggest anthems of the year. Um the massive songs. Um Full Blown Meltdown just comes sitting like a brick to the face really unexpectedly. <laughs> it's it's definitely the heaviest song they've ever written.
0: Um And it's got proper heavy metal at the end yeah, of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's um it's really something different for yeah. them. Um and uh, a song like City at the end of the album. Yeah. Which is a. Uh, Kind of gradually building song with a kind of la- quiet loud dynamic that similar to like earlier Radiohead material and stuff like that.
0: Mm, um,
1: yeah. yeah, it's um, it's them really showing a lot of sides of themselves that they've maybe alluded to on previous records, um, but they're really leaning into this time. So um, yeah, it's my number seven it's a fantastic album. You know, yeah, Comedy, so it, more it, on that to come.
0: Well, it's a good shout. No, it's actually not in my list. Oh, really? No, I'm joking, of course. (laughs) it's more on that later. (laughs) Uh, Right. Uh, My number seven now. Um, And it comes from a band who are, in my eyes, always the bridesmaid and never the bride until now. Uh, because they've just put out a fucking rager of a record in Celebrity Mansions. Ah. It's Dinosaur (laughs) Pile-Up. You know, you can tell whether you've read interviews with them or just from the way they've composed themselves around this record that Dinosaur Pile-Up have been kind of left a bit chewed up and spat out and a little bit sour and a little bit just sort of burnt out by the the grinding gears of the industry machine. Mm-hmm. And it happens to the best of those bands, you know. Um, and there are two ways that you can go about it. You can either pack it in and it is really sad when that happens a lot of the time. Sometimes it's for the best because, <laughs> you know, it's the industry machine has spat out some utter wank uh dinosaur Pile up not being one of those bands i d- i have liked them before but never mm-hmm. really this is the first time i've kind of gone in on one of their albums but they've clearly just sort of taken a step back and looked at all of their kind of um looked at the, the kind of rubbish hands that they've been dealt over the years and kind of gone well look let's let's make an album that if no one enjoys that we can at least kind of bow out with a smile and say well fuck it we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is literally impossible to dislike this record. I don't know how anyone could dislike this record, whether you like rock music or not. Uh you may laugh at this record at times, because it's it is silly. Yeah. It's a silly, silly record. We've spoken a lot about really kind of serious records. Uh, you know, from, from Tool to, to kind of Frank Carter to uh, you know, Nick Cave, uh, and all, all sorts of bands, you know. Um, all sorts of super serious records with a really important message. But this this one's in my top ten because it's the most fun I've had listening to music this year. It's the record that does make me go, yes, I am a stupid, heavy metal, broken-hearted loser, punk! You know? Um, and it takes all of the things that I think bands are so scared to do for fear of looking obnoxious or kind of insincere and and exploiting them mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to avoid them. I mean, look at a song like Backfoot. Yeah. And it's got, like, white guy rapping. One of the boldest <laughs> things you can do if you are not Eminem <laughs> is white guy rapping on a rock song. It's brilliant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's a really, really good album. Uh, it didn't quite make my list
0: has it stuck with you much since it kind of came out in the summer
1: no Um, and I think I do think um, although I really really like it and I think it's a huge step up from a band that I've always just thought were alright pretty Mm -hmm. good um, it is the kind of music that doesn't tend to stick with me right I think personally
0: I think we said the same thing about the Culture Abuse record last year didn't we Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Um, (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, I don't like it as much as I like something like Culture Abuse, definitely, but yeah. um, it is a really good album, I, I do agree with everything that you say.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of makes me want to do every single rock star stereotype in the book, mm-hmm. it makes me want to shotgun a beer and take my top off <laughs> and swing it around my head like Magic Mike or something, <laughs> um, and then stage dive and fall flat on my face like Jack Black does at the start of School of Rock, making a lot of movie references here, <laughs> or like bang my head obnoxiously while driving like I'm in Wayne's World or something. <laughs> um, it makes me want to do every single one. to throw the horns up, like both. You know when they do like rock star things on like, hey, it's rock week on the X Factor. Yeah. Let's throw the horns up and okay. let's sing, let's sing One Direction because they're a rock band, aren't they? Yeah, fuck off. While it makes me want to do all those sorts of sorts of things, and I think that's the the atmosphere they try to establish on this record. Um, it does have substance, mm-hmm. I do think. You know. Um, despite all the the silliness of songs like K West and Professional Freak, you know, yeah. th- it, it takes me back to the glory days of like Brit Rock, you know, when mm-hmm. when bands like and I know this isn't necessarily an original thought. I have heard someone else say this. I just agree with it. It <laughs> does make me think of like Ash and the Wild Hearts and, yeah. and Therapy and bands like that. I want to play a song like Pouring Gasoline to Dave Grohl. And be like, remember when you used to write shit like this? <laughs> yeah. What's all this concrete and gold bollocks you're doing now? Because <laughs> they, they, uh, the, the singer, uh, I don't, don't know how have his name actually, um, but uh, he, he does a lot of Dave Grohlisms mm-hmm. when he, when he belts it on this record. Yeah. yeah! Thrash man on cassette! <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Um it's a gamble that for Dinosaur Pile Up I think has well and truly paid off because people are talking about them more than ever now, aren't they? Yeah. So um so well done, lads. Yeah. Celebrity Mansions is my number seven in the albums of the year, yeah. which you are listening to right now on the Birch and Brew podcast. Sponsored by Holy Roar. Sponsored by Holy <laughs> Raw. Oh, Bradley! Oh, we've got another guest we at the get door. Doorbell. We really should, shouldn't yeah. we? Yeah. What would you have as the doorbell, though? Like, the the sound? Like, you don't want it to be creepy. Bing bong. Oh, yeah. That's quite nice, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. thought you were going to go for, like, the Halloween theme tune or something. No, no just keep it simple. Keep it simple, keep Bing, it safe. Bong. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there is someone at the door. Yeah. Should we go and find out who it is? Yeah. Let's do that.
3: Hi Danny and Brad, this is Sammy from employee to serve
4: uh, I'm Justine from employee to serve and I do vocals.
0: And you're the apocalyptic riff, riff, lizard. Lizard. riff wizard, I yes. couldn't remember it was like apocalyptic. like lizard better. Yeah. Apocalyptic we can- riff wizard, although I am
3: trying to make skinny wizard work as well. Skinny wizard. I think it's got a good ring for it.
0: Justine, what would your wrestling alter ego be? Uh, oh, busting bones,
4: because it's like bust, actually that sounds like big boobs. Um, <laughs> a lot of the crust, oh, crustine bones.
0: What uh, has been employed to serve's moment of 2019?
4: Ooh, I really enjoyed uh, Hellfest. Yeah,
3: Hellfest, Hellfest has to be the moment. <laughs> Sammy and I like
4: flew out early just so we can like, stay there the whole time. Um, we watched like three days worth of bands. It's such a sick fest. It was
3: legit the best weekend of my life and it's going to be hard for the wedding to top this i'll be honest but we'll see see if it can but no it was it was awesome wasn't it it was i it's mean like the, sh- the show itself that. was like regardless of everything else surrounded it was probably the moment of the year because it was like the biggest crowd we played to, to yeah. date um so that was awesome but then also just being on the like the same bill as like, and on the same day as like you know some of our favorite bands, but I literally seemed like all of my favorite bands. It was like Slayer, Cannibal Corpse, Emperor, Inquisition. Like Doros. Phil Anselmo was playing Pantera songs, and it was just like. <laughs> Fu Manchu. Fu- yeah, it was ridiculous. That was yeah.
4: banging. The best part is as well, like they, um, all like the sort of backstage trailers are just this one long stretch. So you just be walking down, and then like Randy Blythe will be getting his dinner, and like you just hear <laughs> Phil Anselmo's voice. And you're like, this is mental. Mental, yeah. yeah. We had like Kerry King watching, um, was it? Phil and side stage with us. Yeah. It was really weird. He, he like, turned around and was like, oh. And then was it George Fisher from Cowboy Corpse? And like, running to Emperor, to Emperor yeah, next yeah, to yeah. us. It was just one of those really nuts.
3: weird weekends. It was, yeah, it was nuts. But like, like I was saying, like performance alone, that was probably like one of the highlights. Crowd was really yeah, cool. So mm. sick. Direct sunlight,
4: so we got a bit loopy and our own right, Yeah,
3: closest
4: we've ever been to throwing up. So my album of the year is Elizabeth Colorwheel, No SIBO. It's on the the Flenser. That's really sick. It's kind of like, it's really weird. Like they kind of sound like um, sort of trashy rock, but with like Fiona Apple style vocals. Oh wow. They're like just a weird. I can't even. Like, I don't even have any reference points for them. Because um, I actually don't really listen to that kind of stuff much, um, but yeah, it's really good. I don't know if like anyone's listened to like Queen Adrena. It just reminds me a bit <laughs> of that. Like this really like niche kind of reference point, but um, no,
3: it's cool. For me, one of the big ones has been from a band called Vitriol, or Vitriol, however you want to say it, from I America, true, yeah. death metal band, uh, released their like debut LP to bath uh, to bath from the throat of cowardice this year, and it's like for me it's like. A breath of fresh air into death metal because it's just unrelenting, non-stop brutal. It's like technical, but it's not like su- I hate super clean production on death metal. I like mm-hmm. it when it's like vicious and dirty. Uh, and this album definitely is both of those. um Yeah, I saw him supporting Nile and Hate Eternal a couple of months back. I knew him beforehand, so I was eager to see him live. And I was thinking like, hey, is it gonna good as it is on record and it was insane just like just non-stop just shredding aggression dude had two snare drums that always gets me super hyped
0: what? yeah it
3: was sick i think like one of them was like a piccolo snare or something oh like okay that. yeah so when he wants really to do a like real high pitch miles beat he can do it um but yeah sick awesome band
0: well thank you very much to uh to sammy and to justine there now we know uh justine's wrestling name I would now like to see a no-disqualification match between the apocalyptic Riff Wizard and Crustine Bones. <laughs> well, that's their picks for the album of the year. We're not quite at ours yet. No. But we are now at number six.
1: Yes, so, my number six. Yeah. Perfect timing because it's Employed to Serve. Hey! It's <laughs> an forward motion. Um, this um, essentially sees Employed to Serve... I think reining in some of the more expansive elements from The Warmth of a Dying Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree? Oh, I suppose you're staying quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a... Um, I think the bottom line is Employed to Serve are always going to be a really uh, filthy metallic hardcore band at their core, aren't yeah. they? Um, but Eternal Forward Motion, I think, is more direct instantaneous metallic assault on the ears um the bouncy grooves that you associate with the best of new metal um are present all over this mm-hmm. record in fact that, they're kind of making a bit of a comeback in the in the kind of metallic hardcore scene yeah full stop but I think it's a, just... another
0: scene which was left a little parched yeah alongside deathcore <laughs> yeah um until now, this there's is been some fucking f- brilliant metal yeah. core bands around
1: recently. Yeah, um, this is some of the best use of those kind of new that new metal bounce. I yeah. think um, there is. We spoke. And this is another one we reviewed earlier in the year. Uh, very complimentary. Um, there's big early Slipknot vibes on a lot of this record. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of early Corn, I think, in some of the guitars. Um, and that sort of just downright dirty sounds, yeah, sort of stuff. downtuned, yeah, quite
0: slinky almost, isn't it? Slinky, like a snake. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and I think an album like this, if you're going to be this um, direct and metallic, or you're a band like this, I think that that relies on you having some killer riffs. Uh, which employed to serve having spades on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, force-fed, harsh truth, I, I could go on and on, to be honest. Um, and it speaks massively to the just the instantaneous... Instantaneous maybe sounds like a weird word to use, but I think it is more instantaneous, than Warmth of a dying sun. And A lot of the songs, songs like Force-fed, they've become real highlights of the live show almost immediately after people heard them. Absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I also just want to shout out Justine because I think this is her most accomplished vocal performance. Mm-hmm. Um, she's always sounded monstrous on Employed to Serve Records uh, and ferocious. There's just more of a kind of um, dynamic like intensity to her vocals here. There's um, a, a bit more range than I think has been on previous releases. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really, really fantastic um, growth for her. Um, and like so many albums on my list this year it's also quite timely in, in some of the issues it's tackling um, from the kind of um, epidemic of, of mental health issues and, and um, the male suicide rates to the kind of people's growing dependency on social media um, it's just a really blistering, scathing kind of critique mm. of modern society um, and, and lastly I, I just think it puts Employed to Serve at the absolute forefront ...of their scene and at the forefront of heavy music in the UK right now, I think. For sure. If not the world. More
0: on that later. Mm-hmm. Eternal forward Motion by Employed to Serve is your number six. Mm-hmm. My number six. Uh, an album that caught me quite off guard, yeah. to be honest, but in the best way. Because mm-hmm. I thought their last album would offer some closure... ...and I, I wasn't really expecting to hear an album from this band uh, this year... Um, but I'm very, very happy they put one out, evidently, because uh, it is the third self-titled offering from American Football. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, when I say an LP2, as I'm calling it, uh, and I'm ca- I'll call this one LP3 for, mm-hmm. for clarity's sake, because why, why they had to have each album as self-titled, yeah. I've no fucking idea, guys, honestly. <laughs> um You know, LP two wasn't any kind of like dramatic departure from LP one. No, it was what fifteen years on from the debut LP, which is you know essentially the sort of a defining record in emo and math rock and Mm -hmm. kind of the space in in between in that little Venn diagram. Yeah, Um, and. Yeah, because it wasn't really any kind of departure, it was just kind of a a continuation of that, and a kind of, you know, here's the second album that we knew you all wanted, Mm -hmm. and you've been dreaming of, here it is. Yeah. It it was great. I've actually gone back to LP2 quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they announced LP3, I didn't really have many expectations as a result. And that's, you know, I mean how wrong I was for starters because mm-hmm. anything that Mike Kinsella does, I kind of just see him as a stamp of quality, mm-hmm. whether that's American football or his work as Owen, you know, solo work as Owen, their, their, their stuff that he did with um, Evan from yeah. uh, Into It, Over It. I kind of wish they'd done more stuff with that because yeah. that was so great. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest difference the biggest leap here is LP2 was them learning how to be a band again mm-hmm. after so many years apart whereas LP3 sees them start to play around a little bit yeah. and you know explore the things that they never got a chance to mm-hmm. uh, in 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 the kind of in their fleeting early years and this isn't necessarily a fun-sounding record. You know, fun isn't really something that you associate with American football. Mm. You know, it's it's quite sort of sombre and, and introspective and, uh, you know, uh, contem- uh, contemplative yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Um, but I can still somewhat sense that they had so much fun making this. Yeah and they had fun kind of broadening their canvas a little bit you know when we we did review this record quite early on so you know what i have to say on top is is quite sparing Mm -hmm. um but you know i do love how they've thrown some extra instrumentation in with uh you know all that kind of woodwind on um air apparent and silhouettes as well is is a cracking sort of darkly beguiling opener which sees them lean a little bit more on the kind of the glockenspiel than than before Uh, is it glockenspiel or xylophone I've never known the difference
1: yeah I don't I don't (laughs) know
0: but those ones you know uh, that twinkly twinkly stuff yeah 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 the the best thing about this um by an absolute country mile is the uh, is the collaborations this is their first yeah. time collaborating with additional uh, vocalists you know guest vocalists and they don't just feel like someone who's like dropped in and done you know, a bridge and mm-hmm. then gotten out of there, you know, they're adding little extra harmonics here and there throughout the songs. I mean, you know, particularly, I think Rachel Goswell from slow dives contribution on, I can't feel you mm-hmm. is fantastic. It's such a befitting sort of uh, song for, for what, uh, you know, Rachel's style is. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Powell, in, uh, who is in the band Land of Talk, who I think I said at the time I need to listen to, and still have yeah. <laughs> busy times, you know, uh, you know, her her contribution on Every Wave to Ever Rise is great, but I mean the absolute standout, unsurprisingly, for anyone who knows me, uh, is is Haley Williams' appearance mm-hmm. uh, on uh, Uncomfortably Numb, which is just I never knew how much I needed a Haley Williams and American Football collab. <laughs> Until I heard this, and it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Where this kind of leaves American football, I I don't really know, because, I mean, we've bemoaned, uh, like many other people, the bands that kind of reform and just kind of capitalise on the live circuit a little bit without bringing out any new material. Yeah. And it does get boring, and it does kind of... It it makes you kind of look a little less favourably even on the stuff that you love, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not at all excited about the fact that system of a down are headlining download no. next year. No. Just it because it sense. that yeah, it's it's essentially it's shit or get off the pot, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um and yeah, where this leaves American football, I don't know if they're a band for keeps. You saw them up in London recently, yeah, didn't did. you? I did.
1: Um I seeing them I have seen them once before, um when they reunited and they hadn't actually released LP two quite yet. Um and seeing them now, when they've got l p two under their belt, and these new songs, it's quite a different proposition. These new songs really, really add something um quite different um in terms of where it leaves them, I think American football's an interesting. It's one of those bands or musical projects where you know they've all got other stuff going on. Um, in their lives and in their musical careers, and it just seems like they're not a band that are going to release an album, tour it, then release an album and tour it. They go, an album will just kind of come when they feel they've got something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be a while until we hear new music from American Football again. I hope not. But, um, and I imagine, I, I hope that they keep playing around with these new
0: yeah ideas. I'd like a new Owen album first, though. Mm. It's been a what? couple... 2016 was the yeah. last Owen album. And I really liked The King of Wise. Mm. So maybe some new Owen material in 2020. Not yeah, too much to on. ask, Mike, I hope. Yeah, is but, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, American Football and LP3 is my number six. Your number five... Well, yes, six is preceded by five. <laughs> therefore, it is your number five. My pick. number
1: five. This, um, I think that... I say this every year, probably, that... I think from five to one is they've all probably been number one at some point it's the real shit it yeah um so these albums are although very different they're all kind of on a par so my number five is press club with
0: late teens mm, so yes we were saying earlier obviously when i had wasted energy as my number 11 mm-hmm. uh, that we are counting late teens as a 29 album because it was a reissue at the start of the year yeah um, and uh, it was technically a 29 release in the UK. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and we, we yeah, we, we came to that agreement. And if you do want to fight me about it, just tweet me and we'll sort yeah. something out.
0: What's the stipulation? Are we talking tables, ladders and chairs? Are we talking like a street um, fight? Queensbury rules. Queensbury rules. Obviously,
1: um, shorts, no t-shirt. Yeah. Um, no weapons, no touching of the hair or face. Of course. Um, yeah, just kind of, yeah, the classic... That's it. We'll meet in a, in a car park or something. Yeah. Park. Um, yeah, just let me know. Cool. If you want to fight. Um, <laughs> um, so if we were kind of handing out awards for the albums that we've listened to the most this year, this would undoubtedly be mine. Uh, in many ways, this is the definitive album of mine, 2019. I um, haven't put it down all yet. And I think my love for this record may have slightly coloured... How I feel about the second album, which I don't like quite as much. Oh, okay. Um, although I do agree with everything you said about it. Um, I still love it. Um, there's a raw emotionality to this album that is akin to some of Press Club's contemporaries, like Camp Cope and so on. Yeah. Um, the big difference, I think, between Press Club and, and some of those other bands um, is the the kind of bombast with which... they. They deliver, I think um nat Foster's got although it is a quite raw and and grainy voice, it is a big rock, yeah voice for big rock choruses, and the bands play quite big too, and it's this big raucous um just big raucous rock sound really mm-hmm. with a lot of punk energy um and maybe it sounds wanky, but again, fight me if you want um but they're like Australian sun seems to sort of come through the speakers when you listen to this record they I think they capture yeah um uh, so much of where they're from is is worn so firmly on their sleeve um the messages are really poignant and direct um the lyrics maybe aren't as kind of poetic as some of their peers um it's much more direct but I don't think this is a band that's really interested in like pulling punches at all mm. or anything like that um and in a year that's had the albums from like the Menzingers and Pop and Nervous, which we've all spoken about, I think this one has the biggest songs of all of them of that kind of music, yeah mm. in my opinion um yeah, I just think every song on this is just absolutely massive. um I'm not sure you can say that about wasted energy i don't think ev- I don't think every single song on that is of the same caliber as every single song on this mm. um. These songs like "Suburbia" and "My Body's Changing" are just better than some bands write in their entire career. "Stay Low" is my favorite. That's my favorite. It's a great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Colossal. Um, And you were talking about the like contradiction between the uh, the more kind of rough vocals that um, Nat Foster can deliver, and some of the more kind of mellow. I think you said like "honey sweet" Mm -hmm. vocals, which are. I think there is more of a dynamic between those on this record and, and a bit more of the sweeter mm-hmm. vocal on this album. And and I think I enjoy that as well. There's a definite vibe of that kind of mid noughties indie and, um, even bands like the killers and stuff, which aren't yeah, necessarily. Well, my... they, they covered
0: when you were young yeah.
1: for triple J, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and perhaps that's where some of that bombast I was talking about comes from mm. some of those bigger indie bands. Um, yeah, this is just an album that has just gone into my brain and I'm just head over heels in love yeah. with it, yeah.
0: I'd love to see them live. Yeah. Yeah, I too. hope they can make it back over here soon.
1: Yeah, or come and play 2000 Trees or something come like that. Come and play in my living room for all I care. It was <laughs> quite
0: small, to be honest. Yeah. But that kind of atmosphere would befit it, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. Yeah, I'd be hanging off the, um, the extractor fan above my stove. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Press Club with Late Teens... Mm-hmm. Um, double mention for Press Club for for both of their albums uh, in this list and, and well deserved if you ask me. Yeah. Um, right, my number five. You spoke about it just a minute ago. It's Employed to Serve uh, with Eternal Forward Motion. My God, um, Employed to Serve are a pissed off bunch, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, they've they've turned. I, I'm trying to think of what else I can add to what you've said. Uh, and <laughs> to be honest, there's not a lot. But um, they've turned a lot of their kind of negative energy uh, that they've had on their previous albums. When you think about songs like I Spend My Days Wishing Them Away mm-hmm. or like, you know, Watching Films to Forget I Exist, <laughs> um, they've, they've turned a lot of that, that negative energy outward. And it's resulted in this kind of seething maelstrom of, of just spiteful energy. Mm-hmm. It's a really spiteful record. Yeah. Um, and the best thing is. They're saying what everyone is thinking right now. They're pointing at keyboard warriors on songs like Force Fed. Um, The sort of higher powers who who negate mental health issues and the sort of epidemic Mm -hmm. at hand on on a track like uh, Harsh Truth, which, like you said earlier, brings some of that kind of... New new metal kind of thing in there, but not in a in a hokey way, not like a you know sort of the the new metal that everyone likes to point and laugh at. But they're pointing at keyboard warriors. They're pointing at people who negate mental health issues. They're they're pointing at people who uphold these sort of outdated values of stoicism uh, and and people that I mean you look at a song like Reality Filter. You know the people that literally only put the positives online and create this sort of blinkered. Uh, view of their lives and make everyone else feel like shit as a result. They're pointing at all these people and they're telling them to fuck off. <laughs> um, looking at employed to search trajectory, uh, as you mentioned, they, they've gone from you know, math core, I suppose you could call that, greater yeah. than you remember. Yeah. Uh, Almost to Dillinger. Yeah, yeah, plans. yeah. Quite Dillinger. Uh, Converge as well. Big, yeah. big comparison. To kind of, you know, more sludgy metal core on, on The Warmth of a Dying Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, to just kind of like nasty ass hardcore yeah. on, on this record there are still sludgy moments there are still some you know really interesting things done on the guitar by both Sammy and and Rich Jacobs or yeah. riff Jacobs as he is uh, apparently mm-hmm. known um, but you know look looking at that trajectory I think a lot of people would maybe look at that as a slightly sort of um downward trajectory mm-hmm. but it's not that you know they're, they're just kind of consolidating it they're they're not doing it in a way that's pairing anything back. Yeah. Um, they're just they're just making it leaner they're making it more impactful mm-hmm. and you know I- I'm going to stop there because we've both sung our praises of this album a fair bit yeah Um, I actually want to talk about Employee to Serve as a band in a little while okay if that's okay yeah so I'll say no more For about Eternal 4, yeah, Eternal 4 of Motion now but it is their best album yet isn't it absolutely it's yeah. fucking brilliant yeah. honestly Um Yeah, employed to serve, shout out Shouts out Um, Right, and we should get them back on the podcast for a full episode at some point Yeah Because we had Sammy on at Slam Dunk obviously And we had them them pop by just now They couldn't stay for for too long Because they're out on a very excellent tour with Barry Tomorrow right now And Blood Youth, but you know
1: Yeah, it was good of them to come all the way here actually Exactly, exactly
0: Um, Right, only four albums left to talk about from you And four albums left from me so eight albums to get all together possibly
2: yeah.
0: we'll see there might still be some crossover Ooh. who knows uh, ah. yeah I don't know what that was ah. tell me your number four my number four
1: is Her Name is Calla with Animal
0: Choir oh yes you... um
1: yes yes <laughs> uh, I don't know one. what that was <laughs> <laughs> um this album is an odd one in terms of appearing so close to the uh much coveted Bradley Thorn number one spot um we reviewed it on a show previously we were, I think we were both hugely complimentary about it if memory serves um yes yeah
0: very much so. I haven't actually gone back to it ah uh, very much um
1: it is the final album by a band that I hadn't heard of um this time last year mm-hmm. um and even more recently um it's a band I've never heard another album by, even now. It's a band I've never seen live. But, yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, there's a, just a real emotional resonance to this album, I think, um, that just hits me. Um, there's a real kind of world-weary quality to it. Um, Tom Morris is a vocalist. He's just got this great kind of emotional vulnerability, and, and the lyrics are um, are really great, and they go from really kind of scathing... To quite resigned and sad and self reflective. Um, musically, there's there's a kind of orchestral, grandiose quality mm-hmm. to the music, but I say grandiose and I mean that in a way that, you know, not pompous yeah. or showy. Um, it's still quite gritty. It's always restrained enough to avoid becoming w- wanky, um, for, <laughs> for, for a better word. It's becoming a buzzword, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm um, not calling that. I'm not calling the episode just wanky. Wanky, wanky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you got some problems. <laughs> um,
1: I've, this has really derailed me. It's always talk of wanking. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like such a it's such a meticulously arranged record. It mm. sounds like every second of it has just been poured over just to make sure. Everything is arranged exactly how it needs to be, um, you know, and it, it, it builds and builds to really face-melting guitars and really, really great riffs at points. Um, massive high point for me, and I think something that sort of um, really encapsulates how eclectic this record can be is the song uh, A Modern Vespa, which I think we spoke <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um which just has a very sort of subdued vocal and, and instrumentation that just gives way to this just pulsating bass heavy yeah um I think what the kids would call a fat bass line, a heater a heater um, <laughs> um yeah, for me, this is just one of um those records that is just so much the product of a particular band in a particular place in their career that you can't you can't really replicate or um or do again and there's there's just not a wasted second on this album don't think there's anything that could be done differently it's just uh just a beautiful work of art from start to finish really
0: wonderful do you need to go back to this record it's a very long and just another Years, one of these yeah. albums that really you just can't sit on within the background it's quite uh enveloping when you Absolutely, actually get into yeah. it a very much a headphones record mm-hmm. um and um yeah just i think it's quite poignant knowing that this album was essentially released like not posthumously, but you know, yeah. after the band did announce that they were splitting up and this would be their their kind of swan song. Yeah. Uh, I made that pun when we uh, <laughs> when we because there's a swan on the cover. Yeah, um, yeah so <laughs> um, you know that that I think adds. Another kind of layer of poignancy to it. Absolutely, yeah. it's an incredibly expansive record, and I think there's there really is something for everyone on there. Yeah, there is. From, you know, the common comparison is Radiohead. Yeah, there's so. a lot
1: of um, OK Computer on this. Yeah, uh, I think which is yeah. A, a very good comparison.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Even through to like a moon-shaped pool near yeah. a radiohead. Yeah, and I'm saying this not as much of a uh, an authority on Radiohead as you might be. Mm-hmm. I think that's something we recognised when we originally reviewed the record. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I um I really need to go back to this record to be honest, I've underappreciated it. Mm. <laughs> uh, right, so your number four is Animal Choir by her name is Calla R. I P. Uh my number four Um, We're going to be diving back, as I promised, into the world of Ah. hip-hop. One last time, I think. Yeah. After after Slow Tie and Clipping and, of course, Dinosaur (laughs) (laughs) Pile-Up. Number four for me is Not Waving But Drowning Mm, by Loyal Karner. Um, someone that we spoke very highly of yeah. when we uh, reviewed the the record back in back in May, I believe. Mm-hmm. I am an absolute sucker for lo-fi, laid back, mellow hip hop. beats yes. kinda takes me back to like, you know, a tribe called Quest and yep. Dela Soul. Not something I was around for originally, so why I said yeah, it takes me back to <laughs> it, but you know, I, th- I think there is just something really wonderful about that music. So kind of carefree. And I think Loyal kind of has this wonderful lackadaisical flow, yeah. I suppose. But not like complacent at any point. Just chilled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has that flow to match. And to hear that come from a British artist amidst the... As you were recognising earlier when you were talking about the Slow Tie record... That latest wave of grime, which I do think has some really, really good vital artists, you know, like Slow Tight. I think I've not really listened to the Dave album, but I've been very impressed by what I've seen and heard of him. Mm -hmm. Um, Stormzy headline in Glastonbury this year was a real statement for that Mm -hmm. industry and seeing him basically take five minutes to reel off a list of his contemporaries was a real kind of... It was testament to that community that's been built around that genre. Yeah, not really a genre that I'm I'm massively fay okay with, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a hell of a lot better than the the other side of kind of British urban music right now, which is that god awful over auto tuned R and B music. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of epitomised by artists like Jay Huss that I, j- I just don't get it. Yeah. I'm so I just look at it and I go, I'm just never going to get this. It, so, to have an artist like Loyal Karner kind of come around is so refreshing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, you know, much like I was saying about Clipping earlier, it is a very different hip-hop record to Clipping, mm-hmm. but Loyal Karner is such an, an incredible storyteller. Yeah. And I think instead of offering escapism, he offers realism and and relatability. Yeah. Um, You know, I would say that I am again as i was saying earlier i th- i think i'm in quite a privileged position in where i am in life and i've never related to a hip hop record like this mm-hmm. because i think you know and i'm i'm not going to go into individual tracks because we we went pretty hard in on it yeah around you know go back and listen to the to episode 4 or 5 or whatever it was um to hear our thoughts on individual tracks but I feel like regardless of, of gender or of age or of sexuality or of your upbringing, there there are themes on this record that transcend all of those mm-hmm. and it just becomes an overwhelmingly moving record. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, um, obviously, I, w- I was talking, I think, when we reviewed it about how a Special replaced the first album. Holds for me by Lord Yesterday's Connor. Gone, yes. which
0: was a real grower for me. I, yeah. I think it wasn't actually until I started to hear songs from this album that you know, like Loose Ends, yeah, which actually made me give a shit about Georgia Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, um, made me actually go, maybe I, maybe I missed missed something. Yeah, on Yesterday's Gone, and went back to it, and went, yeah, I've definitely missed something. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and it's it's just amazing to uh, to see this in your so actually so. Low, I never know whether to say low or high. high. High in your list. Yeah. Um this was in my top twenty at one point and uh it just kind of got shuffled out into the into the low twenties. Um but you're you're right in everything you say. He's a really kind of vital voice mm-hmm. in that genre. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I never thought I would find myself relating so much to an album from what a half British, half Guyana and- Yeah. Uh, You know Rapper From -hmm. from South London Um, But uh, here I am Absolutely in love With uh, this record Not Waving But Drowning By Loyal Karnett Is my number four Before you go Into the top three Mm -hmm. Shall we perhaps Hear one more time From our listeners Yes Um, I think that is Definitely the case Thank you very much Again by the way To anyone Who Who uh, took part in this, who sent us their picks for Album of the Year. It's definitely give us, given us some some shit to listen to yeah. over the holidays, hasn't it? Uh, so let's do one more round of these, starting off with Jack Utley, um who gave us Tragic by Ble- Blood Red Shoes. Ah. Are you a fan of Blood Red Shoes?
1: I have been in the past. It's an album that has just passed me by this year, mm-hmm. um, because I am one man with two ears, yeah. and I just can't <laughs> listen to
0: everything. But yeah, I have historically been a fan of that band, yeah. Um, he uh, Jack says it's uh, catchy and has some great sing-alongs. Yep, can't go wrong with that. Yeah, fair enough. I'd love to check that out. Um, and there's one, actually, one left of this, and I was reading it, I felt like reading this out were going to be a little bit like Komodo Mayo. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be who, but um, probably... We'll find out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, Sean Westall, the uh, rather fantastic drummer of I Told You I'd Eat You, mm-hmm. um, she sent in a fantastic uh, review, sort of like a mini-review you know when they get the lobby correspondence yeah. uh, on Komodo on and Mayo yeah. um, but but Sean has picked um, Green and Grey by Pyle ah. which obviously we heard uh, Damien from yeah uh, say uh, earlier as well um, I've not listened to this album but she has said uh, that it is an album that so deftly illustrates how personal and societal pressures intersect with each other their winding arrangements became even more discreet and hidden, jabbing and pulling through corners and walls. Rick McGuire isn't afraid to write vulnerably or succinctly here either. After this many quality releases this decade, I believe him when he says, I can count on one finger the people that can hurt me now. For me, a classic. One that ties the most satisfying bow on the decade's most interesting and creative rock band. Amazing. Amazing. That's great. Yeah, thank you, Sean. Yeah. For, uh, if you do want to tell us your album of the year and write a, a review as wonderful and eloquent as Sean, then hit us up on the social media's description is in the, the episode of this podcast. Yeah. Fant- thank you, Sean. Thank you very much. And I told you I'd eat you. What a band, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, Sean. Thank you very much. And thank you to all our other listeners who gave us their picks for albums as well. But now it's time to go... Into the medals section, I suppose. Yeah. Um, your bronze medalist. Your number three of the year.
1: Yeah, it
0: is uh, Great Grandpa with Four of Arrows. Ah! I d- forgot how you love this album so much, so I thought it hadn't made the cut. This... But... Yeah. Um,
1: this is the most recent addition to my top 20. Right, okay. Um, it is, again, a band that I didn't even know existed <laughs> this time last year. Um, and... Having been back to their early earlier material after falling so head and heels in love with this album, I thought if there's more to discover then I'm going to go and do that. And actually, I came to see that this record is a, a pretty colossal shift into much darker soundscapes. Um, I think this is best summed up uh, because it's not one that we've reviewed on the show before. I think it's best summed up. It's a kind of... Spacious, folky, indie rock record, really. Um, and it just hits that sweet spot I have for the kind of emo-leaning end of indie rock. Um, bands like Manchester Orchestra. Um, it's another album where everything is very thought out and deliberate and and quite slow. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an instantaneous record. I think you have to work with it a bit. Um, but that said, songs like Bloom and English Garden, mm-hmm. or Digger, um, they have super catchy choruses that will hook you in for your first couple of listens, you know, and until you start to discover all the other great stuff that is going on. Um, it's really adventurous in terms of its musical arrangements than you might think on first listen as well. There's banjos, pianos, violins, synths. They're just kind of peppered yeah. throughout. Um singer singer, um, Alex Menet, I think the name is, is um, very fragile and earnest and emotive. Um, a song like Dark Green Water, The Opener. It's my favourite song on the record. Yeah. It's, a <laughs> it's the opening container. track. Yeah. Um, it's that burst of raw emotion mm-hmm. you get in the chorus. Um, one of those vocalists where you kind of just hang off every word and every little phrase. Yeah. There's just the sincerity um, that you can't really fake. Um, and I just think this is just a beautifully evocative emotional and well put together
0: album It's just full of sounds and lyrics that I've just fallen absolutely in love with I have listened to this album mm-hmm. a good few times on your recommendation and I like it I do Yeah. I think that if you took the first five tracks from this record and isolated them you would have my money the ep of the year yeah and we're not even onto that category yet um there's a little sort of it's almost like a piano interlude mm-hmm. uh after those first five tracks or after bloom which is a wonderful little yeah ditty yeah <laughs> um, and that unfortunately and i say this with no pleasure because I, th- I think they're a good band and there's tons of potential there kind of kills the m- momentum for me a little okay. bit and i find it hard to kind of click with the rest of the record yeah that's the only exception there is one track in the second half of the record that again add it on as like a sixth track Yeah. and you've definitely got the EP of the year which is Treat Jar yes. which is when they go kind of full power pop and I dare mm-hmm. say there's even like keytars in there yeah. on, on <laughs> the on the chorus mm-hmm. and I, I, yeah I'm a sucker for that sort of thing <laughs> as well so uh, yeah I, I, I do like this album but I, I do think it struggles to keep momentum throughout mm-hmm. I think it's maybe a little bit long it is a long For album. an album of its kind, it's what, 50-something minutes long? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this this kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. Um, Big Scary Monsters release, yep. I suppose. You know, you've had a few of them on your list this year. Mm-hmm. They, they're they another a- label that's had a great year. Who knows yeah. whether they might win Label of the Year. Uh, who knows? Who knows? We've yet to get to the golden tea bags. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad this made your list at the very least. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Four of Arrows... Yes, by great grandpa is your uh, your number three, your yes. bronze medalist. Yeah, it's time to go to my top three now, um, and and slithering in to third place ah. are the Saint Pierre Snake Invasion. Um, yes, very very slippery slimy of them. Uh, <laughs> Caprice enchanté. Mm. Um, this is the sound of a band. Much like we were talking about with Dinosaur Pile-Up earlier, but done in a very sort of different way. Yeah. It's the sound of a band who have kind of all but given up on the the rock star dream that we are all subjected to at some point in our lives. Yeah. And then at whatever age we realise just how much it will come crashing down. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's there's a song we've not really talked... We've talked a little bit about lyrics during this podcast, but... You know the 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 chorus of Casanova came on this album is just the words everything anything could happen though you know it won't yeah. <laughs> it is you know is is fantastic and uh, re he's you know Damien's talking about. He's been knocking on the wrong doors, been picking on at the wrong scabs, been sucking on the wrong dicks to keep mm. myself afloat or something. Yeah. I mean, it's so dry, it's bone dry. His yeah. his, his sense of humour and his and his wit and sarcasm on this record. You know, we we have been uh, speaking a lot about bands in this list who have been getting the love that they deserve um, after so many years of being snubbed. By you know mainstream press or radio or whatever, mm-hmm. they've been getting the love they deserve. If not by those mainstream outlets, by the people that actually matter—people, yeah. people like us—not necessarily as bitch and brew, but just as music fans. Yeah, the people that pay to go to shows. The people that yeah. pay to go to shows. The people that actually matter. Yeah. Um. You know, bands like Saint Pierre have been getting the love that they deserve from from. Those people, yeah, and I think you know it's even with I think with with the fact that it's almost the certainty now that bands like this just won't be able to get on daytime radio. Mm-hmm. It's just not the place for them anymore, or like on the main stage at Reading and Leeds. Mm-hmm. And if they do, they get fucking eaten alive by Post Malone fans, and it yeah. breaks my heart. Um, instead, they just kind of. Realise that they have carte blanche to do whatever they want, mm-hmm. and and they just exploit the nerve to be just total weirdos, <laughs> and as a result, they're creating some of the most interesting and infectious records mm-hmm. of the decade. Um, and Caprice Entrante being my number three record of the year, is one of those records. Yeah, um, I think Saint Pierre are, are now kind of spearheading that wave of bands, and I I, I I'd not really listened to them at the start of this year. Um, but seeing their response at Two Thousand Trees, we're speaking about how passionate people were. They've been a real cult band yeah. in the British rock scene, um, and I just i I think they do not give a fuck what you think about them mm-hmm. on this record, and you know, m- much like that Dinosaur Pile-Up record, there's there's that narrative of, you know we've we've been dealt a shitty hand over the years yeah. but we didn't come this far to only kind of come this far mm-hmm. if that makes it it sounds a bit cheesy but yeah you know we we're going to carry on but we're going to do it on our terms and we're going to be completely uncompromising and we're going to grate on you with like nails down a uh, blackboard kind of guitar tones yeah. and these kind of we're, we're just going to kick your head in basically with these <laughs> um with these kind of off-kilter post-hardcore rhythms yeah. if if you could if you can kind of put a genre on it really i think you know damien sale is a, a really outstanding performer this yeah. year um and he plays he plays the dickhead character to like to perfection he basically reminds me of like the best heel wrestlers in the <laughs> business you know like they they're so good at being so bad. They're so good at being dickheads. Mm. And he's he's sarcastic and he's bitter but, and he's kind of he's well spoken but knowingly so. Yeah. And and loquacious and and just an ass. <laughs> you meet him and he's actually like a g- genuinely lovely person yeah. not to shatter the illusion a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, his sense of humor on this record Reading through the lyrics, his his use of metaphors on this record, and his and his kind of use of allegory is 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 sensational. I don't know what he's singing about half the fucking time, to be (laughs) honest, but it's so um, so compelling. Yeah. Um. You know, we we've talked about this album being really kind of nihilistic, Mm -hmm. but I think that deep down there is a big heart to this record. Yeah. It ends on that song, you know, I'm I'm a lonely tourist. And it just kind of shows that yeah, that they've been dealt they they've they've maybe not got the props that they put in all the hard work for. Mm-hmm. And they're now getting into their early to mid 30s, mm-hmm. I think. Any any band who just wouldn't give a shit anymore would just throw in the towel. Yeah. But they're just so dogged and determined to not lose faith in themselves and lose faith in the music which is at the end of the day the most important thing, it's more important than how many streams you've got how many po- it's m- more important than magazine covers Yeah, it's more important than how many likes you've got on social media and that's something that's forgotten about so painfully often um, but not by this APS Snake Invasion no. so Caprice on Chante is my number three album of the year Fantastic album. Yeah, it's great. It's so, quite quite good. <laughs> pretty good. Good effort. Shame their singer's a prick. Um, <laughs> the Silver Medal.
1: Silver Medal time. Number two my number two album of the year is Microwave, whose death is a warm blanket. A hey, uh, you're very uh,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Um Yeah. It's a fantastic record. It's not in my list, but it's yeah. a, a fantastic... I've come to it way too late yeah. in the year.
1: Um, yeah, so... Um, Microwave are a band I've always enjoyed, liked, never really loved. Um, not a band I would have expected to end up as my second favourite album of 2019. <laughs> Definitely not. Um, This record, they've done something that reminds me of... Um, an album people might have heard me talk about called um, "Nearer My God" by Foxing. Oh, um, really? Not in terms of sonically. No, I've just not what, heard you talk about that album. Oh, a I lot see. Before. Yeah, yeah no, uh, no, people may have heard me yeah. mention it before. Yeah. But, um, okay. Um, have to check it out. Yeah, you should, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and and why I say that is because it is a band kind of birthing an album after an incredibly difficult time in their career and coming to a point where being in a band was becoming something that made them quite angry yeah um and that anger becomes fuel i think for their creativity and and they channel that and it takes them to the next level um i think that's quite a common thing with bands delivering these kind of albums um and it's an album that is pretty far away from microwave's previous Mm, material. Yeah. I
0: was a bit high hum about Microwave before this album, but yeah. this has given them—it's given them a real a dark yeah. edge, hasn't it? Yeah, they've gone from
1: a pretty good kind of emo mm. band, emo kind of alt rock leading bands, to quite a unique proposition as well. I think. Or yeah, I'd someone take... that pulls in a lot of different influences.
0: There's not a lot of people doing, I think, what Microwave do. Yeah, I'd say the closest thing. And um, we spoke about last year when it appeared in your list. Is Drug Church?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good. It's comparison. equally,
0: uh, equally nih- nihilistic, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: Um. It's it's uh, an album with a lot of twists and turns in terms of shifting from quieter moments to the really like discordant crescendos and and um, these vocal chord shredding screams. Um, and it does it all so seamlessly. Sometimes mm-hmm. in the same song. Um. Angst, nihilism, frustration—they're kind of the glue that hold all those different sounds yeah. together. Um, it isn't a kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing like the pop album is. You mm. know that that appears first to be this is just unashamedly miserable, and angry, yeah, and, and um, really pissed off. Um, it's not even as instantaneous and, and catchy as the pop records or some of the other records of, the, of their peers. Um, but I think what appeals to me is the kind of reckless abandon of the songwriting yeah. on this and the, and the unpredictability of each song. Um, a song like Float to the Top is just you know
0: incredible. There's a, there's a grunge vibe to it. You know what it reminds me of? Just the intro to that track reminds me of something like Polly by Nirvana. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there's
1: massive Nirvana vibes on
0: yeah, that yeah, song. Yeah. Um, the really...
1: Uh, amazing guitar work, I think, is the driving force mm-hmm. of this album. Uh, that's something that really comes out live as well.
0: Wild, screaming passages with that guitar sometimes. Yeah.
1: Um, and um, it's quite, instrumentally, it's quite a dense album as well. There's actually quite a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack. And this is an odd one because I think I know full well that this will not
0: appeal to everyone. Do you you not, because I think it is quite sort of, um, I I do think it's perhaps a little bit more instantaneous, I personally think it's a little more instantaneous than you might think. Certain songs, definitely. I think also it's really short, it's it's under half an hour isn't it, Yeah. Uh, ten tracks, get in, get out, Mm -hmm. and it's just got so much replay value. Yeah, massively, Mm -hmm. massively so. Um, Yeah. That's it, my number two album of the year. Wonderful. Oh, yeah, I I wish I'd heard it sooner. Because mm-hmm. we also saw them supporting Tiny Moving Parts yeah. as well, and they were very good. I think they blew every other band on that bill. Yeah. It makes yeah, a lot of sense nice. why they were like on a tour that that tour Boston Manor tour last year, which was Boston Manor Microwave Drug Church Wallflower, makes a hell of a <laughs> lot of sense now, yeah. doesn't <laughs> it? Yeah. <laughs> um, right, yeah. Microwave Death Is A Warm Black, It's a fantastic listen. Don't don't take the fact that it's not in my top twenty, um, you know, with any kind of hint of uh, its quality. Its quality, yeah. No, it's fantastic. And maybe ask me in a couple of months' time, and it might edge its way in there. Mm. Uh, right my silver medalist my runner up in the album of the year um, and you know thematically kind of you know following on quite similarly mm-hmm. we've talked to her about a lot of bleak albums in this in this, uh, this album of the year list but with a with a wholehearted passion yeah. and how fitting as we sit here two days after the general election result and all the shit that's happened with that <laughs> um It's very fitting to sit here and and discuss an album which declares um, if the world is going to burn, everyone should get a turn to light it up. Um, Pup and Morbid Stuff Mm -hmm. is my, my number two album of the year. It's easily... Easily the uh, best Pup record to date They've got gradually better as the records have gone on They've been, you know, debut album I thought Was was good, but you know The the singles really kind of stood out on it uh, And the dream is over Kind of moved further towards Being a better sort of complete body of work This is is them coming full circle And just making a brilliant album Beginning to end Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to go and see them recently yeah. at the at the at the loft in Southampton, um, and a lot of the album is now a staple of yeah. the live set. They play pretty much like I think all but two songs on the album, um, and it deals with a really bleak worldly view, with a sense of and this is a phrase I've used a lot, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but it is a phrase I really. Kind of think illustrates a lot of what's gone on in music this year and as a response to the world around it. Joyful nihilism. Mm -hmm. Um, Because just think about it. How many times has life dealt you a shitty hand and your instant reaction, your brain just goes to, you're the problem. Mm -hmm. It's your problem that life has dealt you a shitty hand. And and the world is falling apart. It's your fault, and you're pra- placing that weight on your shoulders rather unfairly. Um, this 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 album contrasts some some really dark lyrical themes, especially like a, a sort of centerpiece of the album in Scorpion Hill, mm-hmm. um, with you know these kind of sprightly, bouncy, scrappy, indie tinged. Yeah. Certainly in the guitars. Yeah. It's punk rock, that's for sure. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm wary of rambling because uh, we've still got our number one album to talk about and give out another bunch of awards. But I think everything else is going to shit. Mm. <laughs> and not everything. Okay, actually, you know, we we're, we're both having a pretty all right time at the moment. Yeah. But there, there have been times this year where you feel like everything else is going to shit. But Pup have kind of preserved what little hope everyone has left. And, and kind of breathed, you know, vitality into these songs just so we can have a little bit of fun. Yeah. End of the world party, isn't it? Yeah. This is the soundtrack to it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I can say much more than that because I kind of, yeah, blew blew my wad a little bit <laughs> <laughs> throughout the course of this uh, these four hours. Um, Pup, Morbid Stuff, my number two album of the year. But wait, Bradley that's someone at the door how uh-huh. did I know that someone was about to knock on the door I don't know but they really should use the doorbell yeah, shouldn't they, they? See it? no I don't really know I, th- I reckon the seagulls st- uh, stole it <sighs> they are such Fuckers. wankers honestly. rats of the sky yes <laughs> rats with wings yeah. mine <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, right so uh, yeah we have we have one more special guest mhm uh, who have, have very kindly joined us. They've flown all the way over from Dundas, Ontario, Canada, wow. uh, to join us here today to give us a special Christmas message. Ladies and gentlemen, last year's winners of the album of 2018, for me anyway, and therefore for Bitch and Brew, because fuck you, Brad. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, The Dirty Nil. Hey, Danny. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having us on the podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm Luke.
3: I'm Ross, and we're the Dirty Nil, no. and we're gonna to talk to you about some of our highlights for the year 2019. Uh, what's what's everyone's moment of the year? Um, moment of the year. Hard to boil a year down to one moment. Uh, let's see. I don't know. What's yours, Kyle? I feel like... I mean, there's a couple good ones. It's hard to pick one. I think doing that show at the Phoenix was a highlight for a lot of reasons. Faux show. But also, we met Dave Grohl this year. And that was, was kind of cool, too. Dave Grohl met us. Yeah. That was chill. And Tom Morello in the same day. That was a great day. That was a good day. Ross, you got any, anything to add to that one? Um, when my hand was not broken... That was a cool part of the year. That was a cool part of the year. Yeah. Ross's Ross Ross's decasting. <laughs> moment de-cast- of the year. My decasting. Decasting party. Fried chicken party. Fried chicken party. Yeah. Fried Chicken Party. Yeah. <laughs> we had a fried chicken party to commemorate Ross's decasting. So that that's I changed that. That's my moment of the year. There you go. And Favorite albums. Who's got what? There's only two good albums this year. Just Another Day by Never Ending Game. <laughs> and the Wild Side record. That's it. I'm going with White Reaper, You Deserve Love. That one's cool too. Yeah, much love to those guys. Also, a shout out to our friends and Dead Soft for their album Big Blue that came out this year. Great record. That one's good too. And I, yeah, I also like uh, The Talkies from Girl Band. And... Uh... Patience by Manic and Pussy. Those were good records. Um, never Ending Game, Just Another Day. <laughs> Master Volume Deluxe Edition. Yeah. That's my album of beer. <laughs> see you in 2020, motherfuckers. Thanks for having us, guys. Where's my mug? Happy Holidays. We'll see you next time for a beer and a steak bake. And
0: Never Ending Game, Just Another Day. <laughs> Wow, well, thank you very much to the, the Dirty Nil for stopping by and giving us essentially like an all, lovely alternative to the Queen's Speech. Yeah. So lovely of all of them and great guys, and we can't yeah. have them, wait to have them back in the, the UK soon. Yeah. And we will definitely see you for a steak bake. <laughs> or maybe a festive bake.
1: Yeah, have you tried those? They're good. Yeah, I love a festive bake, yeah. to
0: be honest. I, I haven't had one this year because I'm trying to be good. Uh, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, it's getting, getting yeah. tempting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. So, it's come to this. Yeah. This is this is this feels really special. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It feels the atmosphere of the room is electric. (laughs) Not to sound like Lars Ulrich, but you know, um, our our number one album of the year, and I don't know why, but we we've gone through these albums. uh, We, as opposed to last year, we didn't show each other our lists at all. So we actually have no idea what our picks are before going into it. We Mm -hmm. only have kind of instinct. Yeah. And I'm sitting here now thinking about all the albums that we've gone through and there's one album that you haven't spoken about yet and that I haven't spoken about yet that I think we've both got as our number one album of the year. So, Bradley, do tell me what your number one album of the year is and I'll tell you if, if it's a match.
1: My number one album of the year is Deftones with no <laughs> <laughs> oh you shit
0: house it's just White Pony every year White Pony um, ad infinitum <laughs> White Pony Deluxe Deluxe Edition <laughs> that I self-released uh,
1: no my number one album of 2019 is Brutus with Nest my
0: friend we have a snap wow number one Brutus Nest Did you? oh wait shit happen? hang on Oh, fuck. Mate, I forgot Weezer's Black Album. Oh. You know what? We're going to fuck this off. I'm going to... yeah. We can do record tomorrow. Yeah, it's fine. Right, well, while I wait for that... Nah, I'm only joking. (laughs) Of course my number one album of the year is Nest by Brutus. Wow. Where do we start with this record? Um...
1: One of the most unique bands in the world at the moment I think yeah Brutus yeah um, agreed I um, would struggle to tell you who else they sound like except they fuse a lot of things that I like a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like I said about Tool earlier I think it is the sound of of some musicians three musicians in this case is playing at the absolute top of their game um, paints on a super broad canvas this album um, but it all just flows so perfectly together. Um, the kind of rhythmic stomp of, of Django, the sort of freewheeling intensity of Cemetery, the expansiveness of a song like Sugar Dragon, um, or the emotional vulnerability of um, War, which is a song we might be talking about a bit more later. <laughs> um, this album is just an absolute body of work. Um, and to talk about Stephanie the uh, front woman for a bit mm-hmm. it's rare that someone providing vocals and drums can make a huge impression on both uh, sometimes it's one or the other sometimes it's neither sadly yeah. um, Stephanie I think makes a massive impression as a vocalist and a drummer on this album um, she provides the emotional through line of the record with with her vocals the the subject matter of which is sometimes quite elusive Um but it's clearly very, very evocative and emotional and coming from a very real place. Um, but she also drums like a, some sort of octopus lady, um, <laughs> just climbing all over the kit at points, you know, um, and delivering at points as well these really thunderous blast beats as well. And, um, I think, yeah, I don't have too much more to say, really. I think was sometimes just with your favourite album of the year you can go on and on about why this, but sometimes I think you just know mm-hmm. what your favourite album of the year is. And I, th- I think when this came out and when we reviewed it, I think I've known ever since that this is my favourite album of the year and waiting to see if anything
0: would knock it off a top spot. I, and it I, really hasn't. I feel compelled to agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think when it came to deciding what my album of the year was, you know, you always, there's always kind of um, uh, albums kind of jocking it out for position. You know, yeah. in this case... Laurel Carner, you know, Employed to Serve, St. Pierre, part for me, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to think about, okay, what what do I deem to be an album of the year? Is it an album that I can relate to? Is it an album that kind of um, articulates how I feel about the state of the world? Is it, you know, um, an album that I can just have fun to? Mm-hmm. And and really, you know, as as a kind of, as, a, as an observer and as a critic of music and as a fan, uh, above all, I just think um, what makes Nest my album of the year is is the fact that it's it's one of the biggest signs of growth mm-hmm. I've I've heard from a band that I was already kind of invested in yeah. uh, on on Burst their debut album, but I think it's one of the biggest signs of growth I've said I've written down in years, but I think ever yeah um, from from first to second album, um, they took a, a fairly exciting framework. Um, you know I I liked Burst, but. You, you definitely have it sussed by the end of the record. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I listen, I listen to Nestle and though I've listened to it countless times this year, I still feel like it could go anywhere at the drop of a hat. Yeah. I still find it an unpredictable listen um, and there's so many, you know, it's full of left turns and basically they've just taken an already exciting framework and and they've made it more dynamic, they've made it more expansive, they've just made it more captivating. And, um it goes to so many places sonically, as you were saying, you know, quite often within the space of one song, yeah. like with War, um, thrashy, punky, post-hardcore to kind of weighty, overwhelming post-metal. Yeah. A lot of post in this, isn't there? <laughs> um, to, like, dream pop at times. You know, you think of, like, the I Wanna Dance in the Big Big City yeah. on, on techno, Um the vocal development of, of Stephanie Manets uh, is is just staggering on this record, um, and you know I know the focus is a lot on her because it's like oh my god it's the singer who drums you know yeah. like we we've seen that a lot before but no one does it better than Stephanie at this mm-hmm. point to be honest, but um, you know the the other members of Brutus need need commending as well I think even like Peter Molders. I feel feel a bit bad for basses sometimes because they're they're often just adding like a bit of a backbone, yeah. you know, a bit of a bit of gravitas to the overall sound. But you know, even Peter gets his gets his chance to shine uh, on a song like Space, which is kind yeah. of that one that has the uh, sort of plucky post punk bass, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. And Sten Van Hogarden as a as a as a guitarist. I mean. He excels particularly with the with the more euphoric moments on this record. That sort of post-rocky tremolo picking. Yeah. And you've mentioned it already. What a finale, Sugar Dragon is, <laughs> and I'm so glad they've chosen it as the the finale of their live sets, as opposed yeah. to you know like all along or war or a single. You know, essentially. Uh, you know, because you want to end on one that everyone knows. But yeah. it's it's such a full stop on the record. And when we said we were reviewing it. It it almost sounded like it was recorded live mm-hmm. and they were just exerting every last scrap of energy they had yeah. into that one final crescendo. I, th- I think this this album is so kind of artistically fine-tuned but there's something still so raw and primal about it yeah. that I'm just... I'm left... I'm left stunned. This This is my... This is my album of the year. It's a jaw-dropping record. I think it's worth mentioning. Um, well, I've seen them live at
1: 2000 Trees and our Tangent. Yes, Did yeah, yeah. Did you see both? Of, you saw both of those? Of yes, well? I was next to You me. were next to not, yeah. Were you next to me at Trees? Ben Possibly didn't. not, yeah. Um, I was drunk. Um, but <laughs> they've left me just my jaw on the floor yeah. both times, and they were both quite different sets. But, um, yeah, I think the fact that it is not just my or yours album of the year, but that it's Bitchin' Bruise. Album of the year, yeah, which just shows how a
0: phenomenal record it is. That is undisputed. Brutus Nest, mine and yours, and Bitch and Bruce, album <laughs> of 2019. Fantastic! Well, that's not where it ends. No, that I, I know that feels like the finale, but we are gonna do. I realize we've gone on for a little bit now. Thank you for sticking with us. We are gonna run through as we usually do. Uh, what we like to call the golden tea bags. Yeah. So some other categories of the year. Yeah. Um, so we want to start with EPs. Yes. Which are quite often as important as albums. Yeah. In a band's career um, and definitely undervalued. Less so in the current years, but you know we're going to give it its own category because okay. it does deserve it. Um, I have five EPs that I just want to shout out very quickly. Okay. Uh, so uh, first of all, uh, Sir with yeah. No Show. Um, you know, I think what they've got going on with the dual harmonics with Tina and Anya, their vocalist, is great. And I think this is just another band in that new wave of Brit rock that are going to do big things in 2020. Yeah. Um, Musket's Violent Paradise. Yeah. Real return to form for them. Such a brilliant sort of consolation prize for me after after what, quite frankly, was a disappointing debut album in Chew. Mm-hmm. And I think they just need to get out on the road more. I want to see Musket's sort of. You know, putting their nose to the grindstone a little bit in the new year. Yeah. Uh, and seeing some of these songs live. Uh, Blood Command, Return of the Arsonist. Yes. Um, the embodiment of raw, unfiltered energy yes. in, in 2019. Short, sharp bursts of melodic punk rock. And, you know, it makes me stoked for what's coming next. Hopefully, yeah. an album in 2020. Uh, my runner up is quite the opposite of Blood Command. It's A.A. Williams ah. um, with her self titled EP, uh, Another Holy Raw Job. Um, sweeping, alluring, and subtly devastating. Um, it pulls you in with impossibly quiet vocals before just kind of sweeping you off your feet with these vast soundscapes. But my number one EP of the year, and as a result, um, a band I'm most excited to hear new stuff from in 2020 is Foxjaw, Um with a playground for sad adults. Uh, Goodbye Dinosaurs the EP that preceded this showed us that they could really go in the power game but this time they kind of offset that power with some really off kilter passages which which kind of leave you feeling unsettled like all the best sort of psychological harrowing horror films do yeah Um, and what's even more impressive is they they pull off these like weird esoteric operatic moments live just as well as they do on the record Um, I think if you haven't heard Foxjaw yet and you're a fan of like Black and Sky, Vertigo of Bliss era, Biffy, go and check this band out because they are going to do huge things in 2020. It's them and Loathe who I'm most excited to hear stuff from in 2020 and they're fucking touring (laughs) together. (laughs) So my EP of the year is A Playground for Sad Adults by um, by Foxjaw. Excellent. Uh, I agree with all of those EPs you mentioned
1: are fantastic. Um, the Draw EP is fantastic. The Blood Command EP is fantastic. My uh, Another runner-up I'd just like to mention is the EP that came out from Can't Swim, who are an established band with two records under their belt now, two records and a previous EP. This They released an EP um, which um, explores a bit heavier terrain for them, mm-hmm. uh, features a lot of guest vocals, it's just a pure nice slab of hardcore yeah. from them it's a fantastic EP but my EP of the year comes from A.A. A. Williams oh fantastic um, it is just the most musically fully formed EP I think of the lot yeah um, it is um, it makes me impossibly excited to hear a full length f- from A.A. A. Williams yeah um,
0: and I would just echo everything you just said mm. about it to be honest it, it baffles me how she's basically done her first everything in this year alone first yeah. gig first EP you know yeah First collaboration with Mono. Uh, yeah, she she is fantastic and, mm. and truly destined for greatness in 2020. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we had some listener picks for yep. EP of the Year. Um, Ed Thurston agrees with you. A.A. A. Williams, for sure. Um, uh, Kevin Hillick said that uh, American Guinea Pig, the uh, band we've... Uh, uh, premiered a track from before, mm-hmm. uh, released a brilliant EP in 2019 called Nothing Hurts Me More. Okay. I haven't actually listened to that EP, but I'm a big fan of American Guinea Pigs, so mm-hmm. yeah, big on them. Kem Oza said uh, KD, Delta Sleep, Exhalers, and Dangers of Love. Ah. The only one I've heard of those is, is Delta Sleep, yeah. and that is, that is a solid EP, to be mm-hmm. fair. Um, Neil McCallum agrees with me, Foxjaw. Uh, On the basis of the EP, I think the full album next year will challenge the new Spanish Love Songs album for my album of 2020. Uh. Um, Emily from Earth on Instagram agrees. Foxjaw, a playground for sad adults. Uh, George Phillips, again from Fresh, Mm -hmm. uh, says, maybe wait till Friday, winky face. Uh, I don't know what came out yesterday. The Conjurer (laughs) and Palm Reader split, that was it. Yeah. Um, But he said, Signals Midwest, with PIN, or it might be Pin with Signals Midwest. I, don't, I haven't heard of them. No, I haven't. No. Uh, and Rose Coloured Records finally said uh, Berries with Lies. Huh. Uh, again, I've not and, heard of yeah, either. no, lots of stuff to discover there. Um, gig of the Year. Yes. We've been to some good gigs this year. Yeah. Uh, we went to some great festivals this year as well. Obviously, 2000 Trees, Arc Tangent. We saw lots of brilliant bands there that yeah. I wouldn't waste my time doing honourable mentions on because you can just go back and listen to. Our review at the time. Yep. Uh, and it was just really hard to pick a single band from all those brilliant festival slots. Yeah. Um, my three sort of gigs of the year uh, are all in Southampton, unsurprisingly. <laughs> uh, back in May, I saw Pagan at the Joiners. Yep. What a, an entertaining band. And it really made me re re-evaluate, uh, reevaluate why Blackwash wasn't in my top 20 of the year last mm-hmm. year. Ceaselessly entertaining. I think you'd agree after you saw them at Slander. Absolutely, yeah. My number two uh, gig of the year uh, funny, I said number two because you uh, missed the beginning of it by needing to take a shit. Uh, it was vain. <laughs> did you uh, <the>, actually <laughs> miss any? Yeah, you did. I thought I missed yeah, as it was. Yeah, again, you know, really hard to reevaluate. You really kind of had to reevaluate. I mean, why Arizona wasn't in my top twenty and it was in yours? Mm-hmm. Twenty-five minutes, unhinged chaos, not a second wasted, and then they just got the fuck off stage and out of there. Yep. Brilliant, real stroke of genius there. Um, my album of the year, although they only got the runner-up in the albums, they got my gig of the year was Pup at the Loft mm-hmm. Saturday night at the end of November. It always feels like a kind of weird time of year, yeah. Um, and it just felt like a celebration for Pup after nine straight months of touring. Um, the songs from from Morbid Stuff are now instantly the, the sort of highlights of the set, mm-hmm. and. We just heard heard some of the loudest sing-alongs I've heard in years. It was full of shenanigans and (laughs) fucking brilliant, honestly. So yeah, that's my gig of the year. Um, Enlighten me. I did not write down any runner-ups
1: for this. Okay. Um, I just went straight in because um, a lot like I was saying about Brutus being the album of the year, I think this has been my gig of the year. Okay. Since very early on in the year, nothing's kind of knocked it off that top spot it was Vane at the joiners oh
0: fantastic um, despite missing the start because you needed to evacuate your <laughs> I don't think I missed that much no I don't I think you did, did to be no, honest I'm I seem being just remember being
1: very pleased that um, I was in the first song um, I have not sure I've felt such a visceral force on stage in a venue that small yeah. before um, you know I wasn't around for the earlier days of the Dininger Escape Plan or the earliest mm-hmm. days of Slipknot or anything like that um, it's one of the only times I, I felt like I'm watching the future of a genre on mm-hmm. stage, that I'm watching a band that will go on to do much bigger things, much really exciting things. Um uh there was points where it was a little bit concerning that the um vocalist was kind of climbing everything inside. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Uh, it? There was just so much adrenaline in that room and just on reflection, just nothing's compared to That and I, mm-hmm. I think uh, we mentioned when we reviewed it on the show how, uh, when the band just kind of cut off and just left
0: the stage, mm-hmm. I was just kind of just stood there staring, yeah, really I was. Slack jawed at the stage, glad you evacuated your bells before the gig. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of talk about poo in this episode, isn't there? Yeah, but everyone poos, everyone, poos, yeah, even Baby Spice. <laughs> Yeah, okay, we had a couple of uh, listeners uh, tell us their Gigs of the Year. It's actually all come from festivals. Um, friend of the podcaster, Mies Madakopoulos, Sire mm-hmm. Mies, uh, said, uh, for him personally, uh, the Spook School uh, Indie Tracks. They uh-huh. split up this year. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was kind of their their farewell, I think part of their farewell tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, good band, the Spook School, I did like them. Um, and finally, our good friends over at Rose Coloured Records said that their favourite gig of the year was Indoor Pets at 2000 Trees. What? I missed that set to be honest. I think they were headlining the new stage yeah, one of the nights.
1: Yeah. I don't know a lot about them. I they
0: used to be called Get In You It, didn't yeah. they? But they changed their name for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for for your picks, guys. Right, so the next uh, golden tea bag we're going to be uh, we're going to be dishing out um, is for record label of the year. This is always an interesting one because I always worry that people are like thinking we have our nose and or tongue Right in the industry arse yeah. For for coming up with the category But let's face it You know For the most part We wouldn't have heard A lot of these records If it weren't for The record labels That brought them out Yeah and the hard working people That work for the record exactly, labels Exactly yeah. It's just worth shouting them out For the great work they do. Well, Yeah Not to undermine The amazing work That the artists do To make oh, the records happen so. Obviously But you know Need Teamwork, to, Teamwork it, makes the dream work. Oh, always, always. ABC, always be closing. <laughs> why, why are we suddenly turned into, like, Alec Baldwin in Glengarry Glen Ross for a second? <laughs> <laughs> Stop being such a fucking sales prick. Um, well, that came from a slightly personal place for a second, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> so, yeah, record label of the year, a.k.a. the Holy Roar Award. <laughs> or is it? Mm. I haven't done any runners-up this <laughs> year. I've just picked one. Um, and even after putting my biases aside, yeah, um, I've uh, the the record label of the year for me, and it kind of goes beyond twenty nineteen. It kind of goes back over the last eighteen months, really. Uh, is Hassle Records. Me too. Really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So I'd say putting all my biases aside, just a bit of context, I obviously used to intern for Hassle Records, you know, a good few years ago now. And, you know, when when I left, um, you know, it it was more like a a sort of a time constraints thing, you know, I was starting a new job and I just needed to put a few things to kind of one side. Yeah. But admittedly when I left I did feel like a few of the bands were much like I was saying about Dinosaur Pileup earlier they were they were always the bridesmaid and never really the bride yeah. there were there were bands doing good things you know like at the time they had Casey um, who are now obviously no longer together Pace Shifters were doing some good things obviously like Brutus were just coming up at that point mm-hmm. Swedish Death Candy but I, I just didn't really feel like there was there was like one band on that roster that everyone was like going nuts for and obviously like you know the bigger artists on the roster weren't doing a lot at the time as well like Lone the Brave or Frank Iero, who's now left that label to go to Unified but you know within the last last 18 months Pagan have happened mm-hmm. Press Club yeah. Petrol Girls yeah. um, Steak from yeah. Belgium, have you listened to that uh, steak album? Uh,
1: no, but I've heard really good things.
0: It's very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, Fox Foxsure, obviously. Yeah. You know. Um. Uh. They've just signed Glue, who we've had on the podcast mm-hmm. before. A lot of potential in that band, I think. And they've they've you know even brought in some you know some bigger and more established bands to bolster that roster a little bit. The Joy Formidable being yeah. a, being an obvious example. And they've just signed the Used. Now I'm yeah. not like. A massive fan of the Used. I, yeah. It's just I never really got into them, mm. um, but they were all all over like the pages of Kerrang! When I started reading yeah. it during around Lies for the Liars, I think the album. Yeah. Uh, and so you know, I just thought that was such a such a huge very thing very cool me.
1: and the Used are um, again I'm not a huge fan, but I, I can tell they're one of the more sort of forward thinking bands of like mm. that whole scene that they're part of. So, yeah. Um, if you're going to sign one. That's the one I think
0: absolutely um and obviously it goes without saying Dave, have they've essentially been the record label behind the um our mutual album of the yeah. year in brutus yeah. um there's there's other artists on the label that i've definitely forgot about, but you know those those are some of the recent acquisitions to that label yeah that have really kind of made me see that hassle are On their finest form since their their days of like having Cancer Bats and Alexis on Fire Mm -hmm. and Alkaline Trio, yeah. Arguably their finest form ever, would you say?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: It just it fills me with joy, yeah. Especially you know, like I said, having in terms of the label for knowing the people behind it and how hard they work. Mm also, you know, it's kind of put them on that, you know, on that same tier as a label like Big Scary Monsters or Holy Raw, where you just kind of see a band signing to that label, you kind of see it as a stamp of quality. Yeah. Uh, and you, you're really eager to see who they sign next. Who, who do, you, who would you? I know this is putting you on the spot yeah, a little bit. Would. Who would you like to see them sign in twenty twenty? Oh God. Because I've written down two. Give me yours. Okay. I, like thing. I would like to see them sign Sir. Yeah. I know. One of the guys at Hassle is a big fan of Sir, and they've done everything very DIY up to this point, Mm -hmm. intentionally so, but I think if they pair up with Hassle, they could do some great things together. And I would love to see them sign Muskets. Yeah. Because Muskets are signed to No Sleep Records, which is a label in the US, and I wonder if that's put them in a bit of a... An awkward position in the UK, at least. I, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I don't know the internet, I don't know the politics, so I could be like assuming a bunch of shit that's just wrong here. But it really feels like... I feel like if a UK label get behind muskets, mm-hmm. they, could, they could really get out there on the road and get on some amazing touring packages yeah. and, and just really... Get in people's faces a lot more like they deserve to. Yeah, and um, I'm not to be all like Brexit about yeah. like they need to sign to a UK label, but know yeah, I just think I think that would be a good fit. For yeah, them.
1: totally. I'm gonna to dodge the question slightly, but I think you know what I would like is for them to keep on signing bands, eclectic bands from all over the world yeah. that yeah. I haven't heard of, and exactly bring yeah. these great bands um,
0: to me. <laughs> yeah, to your to your face. Yeah. Um, well, they've face. tapped amazingly into the Australian market, haven't they? Yeah. With Press Club and Pagan, you know, yeah. that's an absolute coup for them. So yeah, oh, so glad you picked Hassle Records as well. Our record label of the year. We did get a couple on the on the old social medias. Sorry, let me dredge up the MacBook again to to uh, bring. No, this this is actually really nice to know that some people have love for the record labels like we do. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, both Jack Utley and Adam Vallely, um, both said easily Holy Royal Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they've continued their stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Years, to be honest. There's n- there's no no point arguing how fucking brilliant <laughs> against how brilliant um, Holy Raw are continue to be. I mean, this year they've what had. Curse These Metal Hands, they've had Car Bomb. they've had A.A. A. Williams. Yeah. Uh, the Throws
1: album was really good. They um, re released the um, Holy Thorn
0: Yeah, I was surprised album. that didn't turn up in your list yeah. this year, actually. I, I like that album, it's very good. Yeah. Um, and they've had a bunch of other stuff. Oh, Renounced as well, that's a good album. Um, yeah, great. Um, so, uh, yeah, Holy Roll Records, that's, that's fair enough. Um, Connor Laws. Has said BSM. Obviously, now that's nothing to do with the fact that he, in fact, works for BSM and hosts their their brilliant podcast after the show. Um, but yeah, no, they are they have been they are brilliant, quite yeah. good, haven't yeah. they? Jamie Lemon, Cult Dreams, Great Grandpa, yeah, um, and uh, oh, American football as well, a uh, mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff this year. Oh, Nervous as well too. Obviously, they've had a really good year. Yeah. Um, Uh, Joshua Jones uh, said that Beth Shalom Records have been great this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The uh, Pet Live album was incredible. Actually, I've not checked it out. And I really liked the band they they were before, Pet Library. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently they've gone down like a post-metal route, even though they used to be an emo band. Um, also, Also, not records that they've released, but they've released a consistently tight collection of songs and EPs. From bands such or artists, I should say, such as Rose Hip Tea House, Sunspot. Oh, and they're releasing uh, his debut EP as Human Head uh, ah. this Friday, just gone. So cool. yeah, thank you, Josh. Um, and uh, I'll be sure to check out your EP because you are a brilliant poet. Um, of quite relating to that, the 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 main man behind uh, Beth Shalom Records, uh, Mr Joe Booley, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast before, um, has also thrown his hat into the pile by saying that Holy Raw Records has absolutely been smashing it this year, mm-hmm. um, but then so have Alcopop Records, yeah. good shout actually, it yeah. really is, um, Specialist Subject Records, Big Scary Monsters and Crew Cut Records. Uh, Rose Coloured Records, the record label themselves, have um, have shouted out Specialist Subject. Mm-hmm. I've not actually uh, kept up with a lot of what Specialist Subject have done this year. Obviously, no. they put out the brilliant Landy Hecht EP yeah. um, and Witching Waves as well, was sort of post punky thing they did at the start of the year. But I've not, I've kind of not really stayed in touch with what they've been doing no. this year. Um, Really a bit of a fault of mine, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much, guys, for your for your contributions to that one. Uh, right, two more categories, yes. and then we are genuinely going to leave you alone. Um, <laughs> this was a, a tricky one, wasn't it? Track of the year. Yeah. Now, before we do this, I must just say, I've deliberately avoided songs from any of the albums or EPs that made my list. Yeah. Uh, because what I will inevitably do is make a playlist of all the best songs from the albums and EPs that we've covered today, so you you can go and listen to it on the Bitchin' Brew Spotify. Link in the description. Um, Yes, the tracks of the year uh, outside of the albums that that we've covered and the EPs. Uh, I've got a short list of... um, I'm just going to list through these. I'm not going to give a reason as to why. Um, antisocial by While She Sleeps, uh, Body and Soul by Black Futures, uh, Balance Not Symmetry by If Clyro mm. Um Invincible by Tool is is kind of my highlight of Fear and Oculum. Yep. Uh, we Never Rest by Cult Dreams, mm-hmm. King by Black Peaks, yes, amazing standalone single from them. Uh, Big Mouth by Petrol Girls, mm-hmm. and the last, the kind of runner up I suppose is Uterine Industrialization by Venom Prison. Mm-hmm uh My track of the year is actually from an album that's coming out next year, which I'm very very excited for and this may seem a little bit left of center from you know our our tastes yeah. maybe you know we have spoken about similar bands, but um obviously next year sees the return of Bombay bicycle club mm. uh from their from their hiatus um and they announced their return a lot quicker than I thought they would yeah. be back. With a beautifully poignant single called "Eat, Sleep, Wake, Nothing Mm. But You," it's clear that the "you" in that title is is music and Bombay Bicycle Club and and that band, because you know their um, their album coming out next year has the title "Everything Else Has Gone Wrong," and my understanding is the you know the the theme of that album is, is about finding themselves falling in love with music again, which is something I've related to massively this year. You know, we talk about how, you know, there's so much music coming out and it's so hard to keep up. And sometimes you think you're just listening to music for the sake of listening to music. Yeah. And you kind of lose that, that love a little bit. And it's, it's horrible when you fall out of love with listening to music. Mm. So you kind of step away from it a little bit and it's, it's really hard to not listen to music. I tried it. It's really fucking difficult. <laughs> but I realised that um, you know when I kind of came back to it, just to, just how much I loved it, and it was a real turning point for me this year. And that single came out around this time, so I feel myself really, really relating to yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of its style, it's kind of it again, much like Foles did with the first part of their double album. It consolidated what they've. Done up to this point, apart from maybe like Flaws, the Acoustic album, Mm -hmm. but like the three albums beforehand, all of which I think are modern classics. Yeah. Um, And have you seen the video for it? I haven't actually. No. The story of the video is is Jack Steadman, the singer of Bombay essentially trying to create music all on his own in, like, this post-apocalyptic atmosphere, Uh, and he's really struggling with it, and it essentially ends... Sorry, spoilers. uh, Can you do spoilers for a music video? (laughs) Of of him kind of worshipping this... uh, You know, he's almost got this sort of shrine that he has, which just has pictures of the other three members of Bombay Bicycle Club, and then it cuts to other members of the band, and they have the same thing, where it's, uh, like, the other three members, and it ends with Jack sending smoke signals... Up in the uh, hope that the other bandmates will find him. Yeah. How beautiful is that? Yeah, that's that's so, and it's really well made as well. I don't know who made the video, but shouts out to them too. Mm. I'm so excited for a Bombay Bicycle Club album in 2020. Yeah, me too. Um, so that is my track of the year uh, for, for the aforementioned reasons. Bradley... What yes. is so you haven't really done a list, have you? I haven't you I haven't just really kind of picked up. a track?
1: I just um, I struggle and I always struggle with track of the
0: year. I think it's the hardest one to give out. It's such a like a, 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 a sort of elusive criteria, it isn't is, it?
1: Yeah. Um, and I basically just had to look at myself in the mirror, which is not a nice thing. Um, <laughs> and um, just say what is what do you think is the best song you have heard this year? And I think it is War by Brutus.
0: Oh, I haven't heard
1: that. No? No. You should check it out. (laughs) And what can I check
0: that out on?
1: The album Nest by Brutus. Oh, really? Fair enough. Available now.
0: Yeah. From Hassle Records. Well done. There we go. Sorry. Check out after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Um,
1: yeah, uh, it is just the best song of the year, in my opinion, really, really emotional, I've spoken about it already, it's the one that if it comes on Shuffle, I just won't skip it. Um, if it comes on in the album, I turn the volume up. Um, seeing them play it live twice this year has just been incredible. Yeah, just my favourite song of the year. Yeah,
0: fair enough, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, th- I think I, I would, if if I'm counting albums, album like tracks from albums that we covered i would also put a war by brutus yeah. so i'm happy to concede yeah <laughs> um yeah and uh last category in the golden tea bags yeah um again another difficult one isn't mm-hmm. it band slash artist yeah. of the year i've picked a band have you picked a band yes okay fine um there are a couple of runners up i do just want to kind of uh zip through Uh, The outstanding extreme band of the year for me is Venom Prison, Mm -hmm. Um, for all the reasons we've already mentioned. I think they're doing something that is massively important uh, in the world. And I guess, you know, when I I look at this band of the year category, I kind of look at bands which kind of intrigue me beyond the music. Yeah. I look at bands where it's like, I want to read all the interviews, I want to watch all the interviews, I just want to know everything about this band. Yeah. Venom Prison is one of those when they appeared on the cover of Kerrang! this year around the release of Samsara it just felt like such a moment for the extreme metal community mm-hmm. uh, not that I would consider myself a member of that because you know I haven't heard uh, Fucked by the Kraken by Rotting Cock you know? mm-hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a joke about a previous episode um, so yeah, the outstanding extreme band of the year for me is, is Venom Prison mm-hmm. Um I think for all that they represent, that is that is kind of brilliant in the world with with community and, and unity. Mm-hmm. I've got to shout out Idols. Yeah. They've had a fantastic year. Yeah. Obviously, Joy's and Active Resistance came out last year, but it's everything that's kind of followed. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lenman, mm-hmm. uh, although Shuffle didn't make it into either of our top twenty, no. um, he's such a weird and wonderful mind. Yeah, he's so charismatic. So entertaining. And I love his support of upcoming bands. Yeah. You know, he's spoken out so much about how important it is for support bands to get the time and the attention, the love and the infrastructure that they deserve mm-hmm. on those tours, uh, whether it's from himself or crew or staff or just the audience as well. Um, and of course, curating the Lemania Mania stage at 2000 Trees this year and doing the tour that surrounded that, which had yeah. some fucking brilliant bands on it. Yeah loathe orchards conjurer false advertising yep. some others i've definitely forgotten <laughs> um so yeah jamie lemmon is kind of the runner-up for me but my band of the year um and the reason i stopped myself talking about it a little bit earlier is employed to serve ah. um in four years they have gone from being a really exciting prospect to for my money the best heavy band in britain mm-hmm. today um Their growth as a live band, you know, seeing them last night, I saw them last night opening for Barry Tomorrow and it just felt like game over for for anyone that kind of has to follow them on a bill. We saw them at Arc Tangent, obviously, and it was such a, we've seen them a few times before, but it felt like we saw a totally different band walk onto that stage just in terms of the energy that they carried so confrontational, so aggro the the sort of the one two of uh, of sammy and Justine Justine's progression as a front woman you mm-hmm. say about her her vocal development on on eternal forward motion that's definitely true, but it kind of extends to her as a performer Absolutely. the way she just frantically paces the stage now she used yeah. to be quite uh kind of quite withdrawn not in terms of her movements on stage, yeah she was um, yeah,
1: yeah, she didn't cut a particularly large figure no in no. terms of her stage movements, i
0: think sammy accounted for a lot of the energy on stage yeah and now it feels like they're kind of juking it out Absolute, <laughs> against yeah. the two of them <laughs> um yeah and uh and i think you know it's so hard to create a strong identity and aesthetic in the modern age yeah without it coming across as gimmicky yeah but you know those 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 windbreakers are so recognisable now. You know yeah. the other band that have done it for me this decade is a band like Creeper. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. No. To create an aesthetic like that, but you look at Employed to Surf now as like a gang, It's like a yeah. mob. Yeah. Yeah. And it really is brilliant. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so so good. Yeah. Um, I don't know what else I can say. Employed to Surf, you're you're my. Band of the year, and don't listen to whatever Brad has to say, even if it, it's not employed to serve is it? It's not. It's not. Your bitch and brews band of the year. To be honest, <laughs> fuck this guy for <laughs> reasons. Um, it's
1: a very deserved uh, the employed to serve thing. Uh, a band I think uh, that aren't mine, but I would just like to mention uh, again is Slipknot. I think they've had yeah, an incredible yeah, yeah. Year. I think they've come back um, from. Some personal tragedies from some difficult times. Mm, Yeah, Um, absolutely. And they've been nothing but defiant. They are a massive band that all they really need to do is uh, bring out an album every couple of years with a few good songs on it that they can add into the live show, but they refuse to do that. Um,
0: Excited for Knotfest? Oh, God, yeah. I really want to know if they have someone over here in the UK booking the bill... I would really hope so. Because I think it would be stupid to have Knotfest over here and not have (laughs) Employed to Serve, Conjurer, Loathe, Venom Prison. Absolutely. Uh, Just those bands, like, they they need to be at Knotfest next year. Absolutely, yeah. Straight from the path, that'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be cool.
1: But my band of the year is Press Club just purely because of that, that they have been the sound of my 2019. And mm-hmm. I think when I think back, I have the kind of memory where I associate times in my life with what films were out, what music I was listening to. Yeah. When I look back to 2019, I, Press Club will be the band that I think of. They'll be the band that make me think of this year and this particular part of my life. So yeah. it's as simple as that, really. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. You know, if we were kind of doing a breakout band category... Uh, then then I would definitely put Press Club in there I yeah. would also uh, throw in gender roles as well mm-hmm. um, you know and it's obvious to say like Brutus and Foxjaw for me for yeah. like album and DP of the year respectively uh, you know A.A. A. Williams I put into the breakout category mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking tons of bands we could have put in this category <laughs> but can definitely see why you've chosen Press Club mm. uh, for sure yeah I, I, I would back that as a breakthrough band um and just like that, we we have almost almost nothing left to talk about, right. do we? Um, this has been this has been really wonderful. This has been a wonderful way to end a year, which has which has been interesting for for bitch and brew mm-hmm. uh, at the very least. You know, it's had some highs, it's had some lows. We've obviously already we're not going to dwell on the fact that it's been a few months since we we had a chance to kind of do a lot. Because you know we, we're here today, mm-hmm. and, and we've and we've put our all into into bringing you this list, and we sincerely hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and you know, it's, it's it's no point dwelling on on the fact that it, it's quite weird. I was thinking the other day, we haven't actually done like a norm a normal episode of the podcast, <laughs> like one of those uh, episodes that just bases around like a singular chat. Yeah since the start of the year, since before we launched the Bitchin' Review. Obviously, we've had the compilation episodes of mm-hmm. chats from Slam Dunk and 2000 Trees and Arc Tangent, but mainly this year it's been building little sideshows around yeah. around the kind of, you know, under the Bitchin' Brew umbrella, if you will. Um, and that has been really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm hoping that next year, I don't really have a plan for next year yet, well, I'm not sat on any interviews that you know I can kind of promise you in the new year, and I'm not going to promise you anything in the new year because life is just ever unpredictable. Mm. Uh, but you know, as as long as I, you know, keep enjoying doing this, and uh, you know, as long as you enjoy it, uh, dear listener, then then I'm here for it. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I think uh, I think it's worth ending this episode. Uh By saying just a big thank you to everyone who has supported Bitch and Brew in their own little individual unique ways yeah. uh this year, whether you are a listener, a long time listener a first time listener, if this is your first time tuning in today, then thank you, thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts yeah. um if you are uh you know a band who has given us the time to to you know come on the show. And, and have a chat with me about whatever random bollocks I want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, then then thank you um, uh, all the kind of all the people working behind the scenes again not to push my nose too far up the industry arsehole, but you know those those chats wouldn't have existed without some some really special people kind of working behind the scenes too many people to kind of list out now but if you're listening you know who you are Um there's there's tons of other people that have been, you know, kind of working behind the scenes as well. I just want to give a, a shout out to all of them as a group, really, because you know, it you're you're so important to to helping me uh, push Bitch and Brew forward and into into what it into the monster it has become today. Uh but the biggest the biggest thank you um I need to give is is to the man currently sat to my right, um Brad Thorne, who um obviously joined uh Bitch and Brew. As uh, you know, I don't think you quite realised it at the time, but when I invited you to do the Albums of twenty eighteen special, mm-hmm. it was because I wanted to see how we kinda of get on with the mic in front of yeah. us and how, how you get on with the mic in front of us. It. it was a bit of a it was like a chemistry test really. Mm-hmm. Um and um and you know, as soon as we did that special I knew that we were gonna do something amazing with, you know, eventually launching the the bitchin' review mm-hmm. and and for you to be a really integral part of the podcast. For, for you to essentially, you know, be my co-host, yeah. um, uh, which is, which is not easy, you know, they're, they're not easy shoes to fill, uh, cause I am, a, an absolute nightmare to deal with <laughs> at the, at the best of times. Um, of it, you know, we've, we've not really said anything about this on, on social media. Um, but this is actually, um, quite fittingly a year on since mm. you kind of debuted on bitch and brew. Um, this is actually going to be your last appearance yeah. on on the podcast for now
1: yeah in the kind of regular capacity yeah. that i've been on this year yeah yeah
0: um, and don't worry there's no like there's no bad blood no, you know no. th- this man is still my best friend and i i have so many amazing <laughs> memories of you know <laughs> creating these 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 podcasts together and and you know it's just because you've you've you know you're you're kind of moving on to some excellent new things in your life mm. and time comes at a premium in this day and age it's not for any reason other mm. than that you've got some amazing things coming up in your life which i i'm i'm just i'm so proud of you I'm, honestly and just this year um, not to make you blush or anything but just seeing how you've developed from what we were sat on this sofa a year ago to what we are today, sat in front of this mic on this sofa, mm. um, has just been, it's been an absolute pleasure working with you on this podcast, Brad. And thank you, and I love you. Thank you. Oh, it's emotional. I, I want to say
1: thank you, of course, to you. That the opportunity just to come on and talk about music for a few hours every month has just been amazing. Even more amazing, the fact that people actually listen to it. <laughs> Um, and you know, just having people in bands or people in the industry or people that just really love music, um, come up at festivals and stuff. And, and just that we can just talk into a microphone, um, about 60% bullshit and about 40% (laughs) musical kind of analysis and make any kind of minimal difference to someone's day or listening habits or bring someone some new music's just been incredible, um, so, I'm just incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Um, and this isn't really a goodbye because I will absolutely be back. You've got to, to come back. People's ear holes. You've got to
0: come back to tell us about all your bag wine escapades <laughs> yeah, and 2000 Trees. Absolutely. You'll be back. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, I won't let you go away ever. <laughs> you know, you'll never really be gone. Feels like the poem at the, at the end of that Loyal Connor album now, <laughs> doesn't it? I've got to let you fly the nest now and do your own thing. And yeah. I know that whatever you do next. You're gonna absolutely smash it. I think so. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So this has been Bitch and Brew's Albums of 2019 Special. Thank you again for tuning in. If you like what you heard and you haven't done so already, then please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Um, if you're feeling extra generous, then then leave a leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It's not something I've really plugged um, in a little while through not being here, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I, I'm sure you've heard from other podcasts how much positive reviews makes an impact on on podcasts so just taking 30 seconds out uh to give it a thumbs up if you think this is kind of deserved it uh it would mean a lot to me and it would mean a lot to brad as well yeah. um and um and yeah uh just um uh, go and follow us on social media because that is where you'll hear first when when we're kind of coming back in the new year like you know like i said Brad leaving the podcast doesn't mean the end of bitch and brew. You know, I've just gone. I've I've almost ironically, after taking a bit of time away, I've now got to take some more time away, being that it's Christmas <laughs> and I want to enjoy some time off. Um, but we're we're gonna we're gonna come back next year uh, bigger and better and and more bitching than ever. Uh, So, yeah, make sure you follow us on social media and uh, and join the bitching crew on Facebook. That's where Brad will still be. He'll still be in that little Facebook group where we go and hang out and chat about music and life and everything in between. Um, Yeah, everything to kind of do all of this will be in the description of this episode. Um, So I think that's it, isn't it? Have it. Have I got anything else to say? Have a Merry Christmas. Yes. Have a happy new year. Uh, yeah, that that as well. Um it's not it's, it's it's around about the right time to say that now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the tree's up, so uh, and I'm gonna go have a mince pie now. <laughs> yeah. uh, a mince pie and a wee. Um <laughs>
1: not at the same time. N-
3: well that's oh, all right, isn't it? Wrong with that yeah,
0: well. it's Wash unhygienic, but yeah, it well, would exactly, but you know, I don't give I don't give a fuck. <laughs> um yeah, thank you, thank you so much for listening. This has been twenty nineteen. Um, a very bitching year as it goes <laughs> yeah. um, I've been Danny Randon he's been Brad Thorne this has been Bitching Brew and Brad I'm going to let you sign off so until next time be loud be kind be bitching you very nearly forgot it didn't you <laughs> I forgot <laughs> if be kind
1: or be loud is first I did it
2: again <laughs> No, you've had
0: enough now. (laughs) But very in keeping (laughs) with how I've been. I wouldn't have you any other way, my dude. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everyone, and thank you so much. Bye. Bye.